1: Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is on assignment, but out now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, every now and then, like they have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. This is our commentary track for December 2022. We are finishing off the year with the pretty epic commentary track because we are recording this a day before the release of Avatar colon The Way of Water. And what better way to celebrate? Then by getting into the 13th anniversary of Avatar from 2009, director James Cameron's epic adventure movie. That's right. We're going to talk all about Avatar. You already noticed this when you saw that your podcast is going to last you two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, well, here you go. This is what that's going to be. Joining me. That's to discuss... a normal Sunday night Aaron podcast. <laughs> Joining me to discuss. They've been pretty short lately. Joining me to discuss Avatar. We have. Absolutely. Went to the Brandon Peters show. He's not in Kansas anymore, but he will be accepting anything that tastes like Jujubes. It's Brandon Peters.
2: Did you know it's Fern Gully? Did you Did you know? Did you know? Did you know it's Pocahontas in space? Did you Did you know? Did you know? Did you, know? Did, you did you? Hi, happy to be here.
1: Also joining us from the rap. He act like baby, making noise. Don't know what to do. It's Scott Mendelson. I felt personal, Aaron. <laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> Okay, carry on. How are you guys doing this evening?
3: <laughs> I am good.
2: I, you know what? I was going to quote a uh, Black Eyed Peas song about Let's Get It Avatar, and I just decided, <laughs> you know, let's not go there. Let's not go there.
1: Uh, well, yeah. We are going to talk all about Avatar, less about the Black Eyed Peas. Um, As much as I like to talk about the Black Eyed Peas and the, you know, in the, post and pre Fergie stages uh but avatar is where we're at right now james cameron's movie what we're going to do here is talk all over the film we currently have paused at five seconds in so if you plan to watch avatar while listening to us talk about avatar you need to pause the five seconds in. then on the we'll count down from three and press play and you'll be hearing us talk about the movie while you watch it if you just plan to you know listen to listen to this good on you you're fine don't need to do anything at all um yeah, I think <laughs> that's enough preamble. This is a long movie. You guys ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Okay. We are set to go talking about this gigantic James Cameron movie. hmm Before we get to when, you know, I feel like we all saw this when it came out, opening night, whatever. I don't feel like that's going to be too much of a mystery. Um, When did you first hear about Avatar? Like James (laughs) Cameron was working on something like this.
3: Avatar was always one of those weird, mysterious projects that he was always about to do. Because obviously he made Titanic and he spent a decade under the sea, literally, you know, he. I remember saying him something to the effect that you know, I can make movies when I'm old, but you know, I can't do this for forever. You know, eventually I will be too old to, you know, go in a submarine and go check out the wreckage of Titanic personally or whatever he was up to. He went against um,
1: uh, the advice of Albert Brooks and Sharon Stone and the muse when they told him to stay out of the water.
3: <laughs> <clears throat> um, And, but honestly, nobody knew what this film was even remotely about Until the first trailer dropped in like August of 2009, yeah, and we saw the trailer, and it was that was released that morning. And it was, oh, this is again, you know, without getting into the discourse yet, it was kind of, you know, Dances with Wolves, uh, Pocahontas, The Last Samurai. Did you know? Did you know? (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I did know, and having just seen Battle for Terra, which is. I mostly forgotten Lionsgate animated film which kind of plays in the same sandbox. Um it was kind of interesting. It was like it was yes initially I was sort of struck by how oh it's 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 a recognizable narrative, if that makes sense. Like, oh it's it's just that kind of movie. Uh but they did have what was called Avatar Day, I think that evening
1: mm-hmm.
3: where yeah, you went the, to a theater for the free, 21st. Yeah I was there. Um and they had about 20 minutes of footage. Mm-hmm. In 3D, and it was pretty impressive.
1: It was very impressive, and I would say. I
3: remember thinking the 3D, I still feel this way where real. I was more mm-hmm. impressed by the real world stuff that we're seeing now you know, the hard, tangible spaceships and construction equipment and human beings and how real that 3D felt as opposed to the jungles of Pandora, which looked great, but it was more fantastical. So it was almost. I don't want to say less impressive because I used to be a dick. Um, but yeah, comparatively, I was less impressed initially with the wholly fantastical stuff and how that looked in 3D versus stuff that theoretically could be real that looked in some of the best live-action 3D I'd ever seen.
1: I want to talk about that real quick because we just got over the scenes where you're having, obviously, the you know, you know introduction of Jake, Sully, and all that. I do think Cameron knows what he's doing with this. I do think the the way he's introducing this, presumably that you're going to see it in 3d for the first time when you're in a theater i the look is so good when you have him like entering out of the cryo sleep and he's in the ship and it's because it's not just like here's some people walking around a spaceship like i don't know alien it's like mm-hmm. in a zero g environment where there's all kinds of backgrounds actions going on and everything and it's adding this element to it where it just immerses you immediately like mm-hmm. there's so many 3D movies that don't seem to get mainly because it just just added on at, after the fact, so it's just trash. And, I, and you know, they're not using the same tech that Cameron's using and what have you. He like knows exactly what he's doing as far as training the audience to accept something, and that's so important and crucial to why this movie, part of why this movie is such the success that it was, because it really does not only give you the spectacle, but like finds the way to accurately bring you into it as you need to be and that's it
2: truly gives you the perspective of jake sully we Mm -hmm. only get to these parts and things as he's traveling to see them they don't hide a lot they're not hiding stuff from us intentionally like we get to see all this impressive stuff right here and they're not quickly showing us some stuff to cheat it's as jake goes through it we really go through it too
3: One thing I'd like to quickly say is that you know every time I've seen this film since theaters, and I've seen it several times since then, um, I'm always just impressed by how freaking good it looks in two D. Oh yeah, this is a gorgeous (laughs) movie, gorgeous looking movie. And you know, again, I don't want to spend too much time on the discourse, um, especially that idiot Forbes writer that wrote about the film not having much of a pop culture impact back in 2014. Yeah, what a child, what an asshole. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. he got his. Um, but anyway, that being I hope, said, I mean, I
1: hope his children get theirs too for that.
3: But- <laughs> <laughs> oh, they will, they will. Huh. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's this is you know the again you know, the idea that oh you know the movie isn't worth seeing if it's not in the theater in 3D and you know, I guess there are some movies that lose a lot. At home, like maybe the Polar Express, which I like, but that was a fucking jaw dropper in 3D IMAX. Let me tell you.
1: Um, maybe I should see it in theaters again to like get this vision of Polar Express that people have because I I don't <laughs> dislike it. It just it doesn't do much for
4: well, me. Yeah. It's just
3: part of it. I was I was surprised at how good it looked, but nonetheless, this is not one of those movies. This film, every time I've watched it, whether on a big screen television or on an airplane, I watched the la- the last act while flying home from from. Yeah, I think I was flying home from California, from Ohio, back to California, and I watched the third act on an airplane, on the little tiny airplane seats, and it was engrossing. I was entertained. And the film works on such a fundamental level, because James Cameron knows what the hell he's doing. And yeah, it's sometimes fun. You know, people make fun of his sincere and or non-Tarantino-ish dialogue, but he knows how to craft a plot, you know, and it, it's the scripting when it comes to storytelling and plotting is just almost un, unparalleled. When you have solid foundation, and you can't take yeah. the house. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly, and it's, it's gonna work. And <laughs> th- this shot right here, this giant thing, you know, it's a construction vehicle with arrows in the, you know, it's, it's what a wonderful bit of visual storytelling. Yes, before you know yeah. anything about the Navi. Right. It, it's
1: it, yeah, I mean, talking about the discourse will only get you yeah. so far, but it's just like Cameron didn't wake up yesterday and just make avatar like he knows how to make a movie. And it's not it's not like people were like, I don't know about this guy beforehand. He's made nothing but successful movies in terms of <laughs> what they're trying to do not nearly on just a spectacle level like he's made he has crafted narratives that people are so compelled by that they're like we need to keep making Terminator sequels because what else are we going
3: to do like he, people keep well, wanting this because he made this <laughs> and, and you know and not to get too off track here but you know I've I've talked about this a lot because it amuses me but James Cameron's work in the arena of 80s and I guess early 90s sequels, you know uh, he wrote, he co-wrote Rambo First Blood Part 2. He directed Aliens. I don't know if he wrote that or not. Have to, I think he did.
2: Yeah. He, did. Um, he, yeah, he presented you. the idea to yes. the studio to do another. Oh, yeah, the, the dollar sign thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, he obviously wrote and directed Terminator 2. And these were these three sequels that were so successful and so – successful in being giant events even to people who didn't care about the first ones that i think they almost single-handedly tricked hollywood into thinking that any remotely successful genre film could spawn an ever-loving or an everlasting and ever monetizable franchise Mm -hmm. when in truth it was just no no james cameron just knows what he's doing
2: yeah
3: um and you know it's 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 i know he did not direct first split part two and he didn't you know he somewhat disavows it in terms of the politics but that film is very much a james cameron sequel in the same way that terminator 2 and aliens are in that you have the character from the first film who's horribly traumatized returning to the scene of the crime and sort of like healing themselves by defeating the threat on a much larger scale um mm-hmm. And what's interesting without getting into Avatar 2, because I know you haven't seen it yet, is that it's not that. It's playing a very different game because you know it's it's not a giant budgeted sequel to a smaller budgeted original, because obviously this film Avatar was the biggest, most expensive original movie ever made. And there's so also a
1: there's also a fuller narrative in mind because there's multiple sequels on the way and not just here's yes. a one-off next entry. So
4: mm-hmm.
1: um Yes, we'll anyway. keep that in mind as well. Myself and Scott, at this point of recording, we have seen the sequel, but Brandon is not, so it's not a matter of oh. trying to compare or make any no- notes in that realm. But stay tuned and for out you, now, the listener, you- might
2: not have seen it either. <laughs> yes, but stay Boy, tuned for out now I'd because we will we will have
1: our Avatar episode soon
2: enough. Um, I thought you already had your Tar episode. <laughs> we had the pre. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about the prequel, yeah. Hmm. Um, but oh. and no, sorry, I'll stop talking. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, no.
4: <laughs> no, <laughs> I, you I'm know.
2: saying I, I made the mistake. You were talking about the theatrical experience of this movie. I saw this movie in theaters back in 2009. IMAX 3D blew me away. Like it was just. I don't care what the story was. You that experience was amazing. Like the when they do the part when Michelle Rodriguez flies them through the the floating mountains, which is in the background of Aaron's <laughs> screen right now. Um, that was just un unreal. Like you felt immersed, and like there wasn't another 3D movie to do that that well till Gravity. Uh, once mm-hmm. again, helmed by someone who knows how to shoot a movie. Um, and I arg- I'd argue Hugo,
1: but yes, I, I take was your Hugo point. before that, yeah. I love okay,
2: it. Hugo, yeah. and I thought Coraline was pretty good in 3D as well, For, yeah. Um, Which is before Avatar, before Avatar, before, yeah. before Avatar, uh, but this movie, I just I was immersed. It was like you were almost v- had a VR headset on instead of. 3D glasses. And I was like, I'm never going to replicate that. I really want to keep this memory of how good this movie was this first time. And I didn't watch it again for the second time till last year because we were going to Disney and my kids taking them to the Avatar, uh, the Animal Kingdom uh, place. I wanted them to see the movie that they'd be experiencing this ride for and I watched it. I was like, holy crap, this is it looks good on at home on the small screen. I should imagine James Cameron is a guy like Michael Bay, who's thinking about his effects beyond the theatrical, that oh, hopefully for sure. they hold up on yeah. home video, and it really did. And I was really invested in the story still, and it holds up. Is this going to be one? Is this one of my favorite movies of all time? No, but it is indeed one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had um, in my lifetime. Uh, it's up there, you know, with Jurassic Parks, uh, Batman's, so like just that movie that's just like, holy crap. Um, and yeah, it, it's funny. The, the people like, I don't know what changed because a lot of people liked this movie when it came out, and then all of a sudden, just let uh, Blockbuster I, clash. But yeah, yeah. also, a lot of people still like this movie today. If you listen to Twitter, this movie's going to make 10 bucks <clears> this weekend, <throat> and then where they're going to be surprised when it, it makes money. But um, I've been to the theme park, people get really excited about the stuff there. The lines, it's insane. The lines for the rides they have for this, and the People wear the Navi stuff all over the parks the whole time. Like it's it's a global sensation, um, and
1: you know, well, I was- yeah. I, I mean, people being vocal online about something is not a is not a thing that's. I going don't to like you. Shouldn't <laughs> like it's. Yeah. It is. It is very easy to be negative and loud. That is not a hard thing to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and, is. It and- is much. It is just as common to. Not have much to say because what do you need to keep proving if you like something? You liked it, like you're right. not gonna keep yelling that. <laughs>
2: like- well, and the 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 backlashy things they talk about, like the like <laughs> I've been poking fun of the the Fern Gully, the dances Well, like yeah, you realize a lot of movies come from things from other movies. I could talk about the Star, you know, the Star Wars that's beloved, being the Searchers, that's just Hidden Fortress, Hidden Fortress, the Searcher. They all come from that. They all have obvious references. You just maybe the newer movies, you understand the references just like how when people talk about movies and shows not being political it's like no you just recognize the politics now that's the difference and like it's okay that's where stories are crafted from others that's where they come from They borrow cinema borrows from cinema stage everything like that's fun that's part of the thing the rip off don't remake um thing we talk about but i
1: i just i just want there to be some Effort put into the like the you know there's ways to pick apart Avatar. I'm not yeah. saying I don't think it's perfect by any means. I think it's way too enjoyable and impressive to you know shun it. But it's like there's there's there are absolutely ways that you can remark upon this movie in a negative light given its uses of colonialism or the dialogue or how it crafts certain characters. There are ways to delve into that. But if you're just gonna tell me this movie reminded me of another movie. You've lost me in this argument. Well, so and, and It
2: left no pop culture footprint aside from being the highest grossing movie <laughs> of all time. Well, that was the point initially. Yeah.
3: And to, to be fair, I do think that was somewhat true at the time. I just I don't think it's been true for a, a while. And I realized when I went to Disney World in very early 2018 and saw the world of Pandora mm-hmm. and saw. How interested, even my kids that had never even, barely even heard of Avatar, that they were interested in the iconography and the- the
2: It's stunning to be in the middle of it.
3: You're like, holy yeah. crap, they have and the tree there? And you're I like- showed them the movie when we got back, so this was early 2018, and they loved it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like, okay, yeah, they're going to, yeah. <laughs> well- Especially if, you know- it's better or worse, you know, because that's when you know Disney might buy Fox. Okay, if Disney buys Fox, that they're not gonna fuck around, they're gonna make sure that Avatar is a Star Wars level event.
2: Well, and the, the pop culture footprint was a lot different, uh, than yeah. typical selling shirts and stuff. It like 3D became a much bigger thing. Um, you know, they tried making Sam Worthington a star that didn't pan out, uh, but th- there's different aspects that, that can be had a theme park. Um, I did I listened to an interview with uh, John Landau the producer on it today and they talking about the pop culture footprint and he said one of the big issues was Fox at the time because um they didn't know how to work these things because this was their first like franchise born from them the other franchises they didn't own Star Wars was a licensing thing Lucas handled all that stuff uh X-Men that that wasn't theirs that they didn't own Marvel um, so those brands did the that kind of like marketing for stuff and they weren't familiar with it when it came to Avatar because everybody else handled it all the time mm-hmm. and so they were trying to introduce and trying to sh- figure out with them how to do that and he's like he's like they just didn't know because everything every all of their franchises they didn't own.
3: I also have to assume, and I don't want to speak out of turn for other people, that there was some hesitancy to go hog wild in terms of merchandising in case the film bombed. Yeah. Because they weren't we weren't sure. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a reason they opened Allen and the Chipmunks the Squeakquel five days later, and yeah. it was sort of like a safety net. Yeah. I just
4: want to
1: point out that it only took sixteen minutes for Sam Worthington to be get into his Navi mm-hmm. body.
2: My yeah. God.
1: Um when they
2: give you a Navi before you get the exploration too, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yes. Think about it. They I, put say, be-
1: I just. I think this pacing is great. Yeah. Honestly, like the, the way you're in being slowly introduced to what this world is, what's going on here, and again, it plays with that 3D, just the ways. But it's not in your face about it. Like there's just so much good in the direct. Like just watching this on a sm- much smaller TV than I normally would watch this movie on, let alone not in 3D. And yes, it, Scott, it's absolutely impressive still, like there's no. Yeah, I mean I love to pretty, the colors. Yeah, and I'm as, I'm a guy that's seen the sequel that has improved <laughs> upon the effects and these effects yeah. are still better than most things I've ever seen. So. Well, uh,
2: you know, I was when I was watching this um last week uh and to get ready for the second one and the commentary, I was just like my head hurt thinking about the amount of planning before <laughs> even shooting about these creatures and creatures, it really is a leave- living breathing fake planet okay. like and when they go in the woods stuff like there's just all sorts of such tiny details that don't fucking matter at all but they could tell you everything about them how they work and, you, and oh, yeah. it makes sense in the world and there's not a lot of people like Guillermo del Toro does that with his films like he's thought about a lot of things that don't matter but they help his film because they do
1: um It's the same thing with, like, Mm. when he made Titanic and he has, like, in the rooms of the ship, in the dressers, they have clothes from the period in the dressers. They will never open those dressers to see those clothes, but he replicated it because Mm -hmm. that's the world that they
2: lived in. But nobody likes that movie anymore. Just (laughs) saying, Aaron,
3: nobody likes that movie. It was, you know. Um, I, I regret to inform you that my daughter is a Titanic truther. Mm. That breaks my fucking heart. What it never thought They never, both could have fit on the boat, or they both could have fit on the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by
1: yeah. the way, in terms of like things to be weirdly annoyed about, the we passed over uh, unobtainium, um, a term that's existed since I believe the fifties. Mm. Um And this is even the first movie to mention an <laughs> But yeah. of course, it's a I mean, weird, it's a weird we, sticking
3: point for people. As if far if as if we like, want to nitpick, I always thought it was weird that he was giving that expositional monologue, as if she didn't, you know, as if she had never heard of this substance before. And obviously, it's for our benefit. But the way the scene is staged is almost like, wait a minute, she surely knows what this shit is, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, I agree. But I'll at the same it.
3: time, I do think the kind of guy Rabisi is playing. Is the
1: kind of person mm-hmm. that would do that? So, like, I don't well, that's think fair. I- and again, it's a nitpick. Right. It's well, not- here's,
2: here's the thing too: Pandora ain't that creative of a name for a planet either. Like, and the thing is, we remember that we remember obtaining. But if it was like Klaus to Schick's number seven, <laughs> you know, unobtainium's dumb, but it's easy for an audience to pick it's, up on. Get get that. Oh yeah, that's probably some. Stuff they shouldn't be digging up or whatever. Like and
3: for all for all the talk about oh, people can't name characters or whatever, everyone can name the
2: location. And Jake Sully. Like it's oh, funny, yeah, like what's the main character? <laughs> it was like Jake Sully. They said it a billion times in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like they say Jake Sully a ton. Um, and, and and another I, pop culture I, staple, everybody knows uh Stephen Lang in this movie. Everybody <laughs> knows, like, and, and there was like all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he should play cable because he, he looked like cable in that one movie. So, that- how do you remember that though? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um,
2: I, I do think I I, making- I will, no, w- once
1: again, I will say, as far as like the naming stuff, I the the kind again the kinds of people running this whole thing is like wealthy business wealthy white businessmen yes they would have dumb names for that i don't like it it i don't think cameron is not thinking about this that's that's all i'm saying i don't think he's sitting there being like let's my what's my lazy version of this i'm thinking i think he's thinking like what would what would a person like giovanni ravisi a like 40s businessman who like has no real experience be like what would what would he be his workshopping thing and it'd be like yeah pandora yeah I'll use unobtainium. Mm-hmm. I heard some guys in the lab say that. That sounds cool to me. Like that—that's the kind of shit that he would go through to do this. Not just like pick a thing out of a hat and be like, "That's fine." Right. The only thing he did that with is a uh, papyrus. Apparently, that's the one thing that he got lazy <laughs> on. <right? laughs>
2: but even then, now he has a whole new font for the sequels. Right. <laughs> well, and you know it's—it's it's funny too. Like people love. But James Cameron, one of the films they love him. His was Aliens, and then I always wanted him. Oh, I wish we'd done another. Well, here you are, and yeah. you actually, you actually, <laughs> you actually get, you actually get reverse Aliens here, um, where you're rooting for Aliens you're against the Colonial Marines. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is interesting about this,
3: in this picture, and this is something you mentioned about the the. the you know, things aren't political, I just didn't know better at the time or whatever. But it's like this felt to me like sort of a turning point in terms of discourse. Or you had a film that was being tagged as specifically left wing because it was arguing that people shouldn't like commit genocide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, it's and I do think that's unfortunately, you know, part of the Bush administration, we started seeing certain social norms that became divisive political wedge issues like torture torture bad for example to use an obvious example
2: yeah
1: um i think that matches with like the fact that the script is still from the 90s and yeah. it's ma- it's going with this whole you know save the rainforest thing which was a much bigger deal in the 90s
3: yeah. than it was yeah. in the 20s that, it's similar to was like back when the villains were destroying to st- destroy the environment and as like to the, you know wanting to kill the world to save the environment
1: this is a much better movie, obviously, but it feels it's similar to like glass in how that script felt like something from 2000 as opposed yeah. to 20 whatever, 20 nineteen. Um, <laughs> when Shyamalan's like, yeah, people still have the same thoughts about superheroes and stuff.
3: Nothing's what's changed. What's a what's a comic <laughs> book convention? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Nothing's changed in 20 years when it comes to <laughs> comics and
3: people's regard for them. <laughs> and and I say this as as a fan of this picture, but Alita certainly feels like a script that was very much written in nineteen ninety-five and never rewritten. So that's um, the thing
1: that's the thing I knew with this as far as getting back to that first question as far as when did I first hear about Avatar I always remember after Titanic he was juggling between doing a movie called Battle Angel yeah. and a movie mm-hmm, and, yeah. and whatever this was and obviously he made this choice but that, I was always curious like well, so what was Battle Angel going to be and then he finally did it Rob Rodriguez and that, that made
2: me happy did that become um, Dark Angel no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know no, no I uh, mean in terms
3: of various pieces you know, whatever.
2: at the time that's yeah yeah
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and this is obviously, you know, what is a, uh, what's the term? Chekhov's gun or whatever. Yeah. Um, so Chekhov's mech. <laughs> 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 right. Um, what a weird kaiju image. This is by the way, <laughs> I mean, it looks like King Kong hanging out with Fay Ray. <laughs> um, Anyway, just random thought. Um... Well, let's talk about this
1: cast a little bit because uh, we've gotten into this movie. We've introduced all the main characters at this point. Uh, Sam Worthington, Australian, mm-hmm. a nobody at this point, living in his car, <laughs> I believe. Actually, oh, oh wow. um, He was wow. basically plucked from obscurity because he was cheap. Um, obviously, he auditioned and he beat out others that were in a similar position, but uh, the. Things that people know already, Matt Damon famously turned down this role, as well as 10% of the profits that would have come with it. <laughs>
3: oh oh, 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 oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> he wouldn't have had to hawk crypto.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Wow.
3: Come on, Matt. Fortune favors the bold.
1: That's a, Not at that point, apparently, but that's that was the big one. Uh, the studio wanted Jake Gyllenhaal. They wanted Damon, too. They wanted one of those guys, but Gyllenhaal was the other one that they wanted. Um... Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, and Chris Pine all auditioned. Channing Tatum additioned. Uh, didn't get it, obviously. Tatum uh, would
2: have given you about, at this time, would have given you about the same as Worthington.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think the
2: movie changes at all.
1: <laughs> I, I am curious if, I, I mean, Jill and Hall makes it weirder um, by default. Uh, Damon probably works really well here. <laughs> he mm-hmm. gives the, this like energy that. Is like, just right for this. I don't know if the movie suddenly like becomes starkly think, different, but I do think there's something that I can see why.
2: But. I don't think Pine works, he's too, I don't he think has too I much personality. I don't think he fits the like I'm playing two sides portion of that. I don't know, like, he has to go in one direction or the other. And I, um,
3: I don't know if he I think it, you know, you're right. Pine would have been, you know, as much of a nobody. You know, it's.
2: I love Chris Pine, but I don't think he works here. Well, I
3: think you almost need someone that's a total blank slate. That's the point. Uh, (laughs) And the character is also somewhat of a insert, you know, self-insertion blank slate for the audience, in the same way that, quite frankly, Bella Swan was in the Twilight pictures, where they're enough of a blank slate that every viewer can theoretically imagine themselves as that character
2: taylor kitsch was too big at this time to get your god uh, and the uh, irony is that worthington
3: basically stole the show in terminator uh salvation wait so salvation salvation yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few months earlier it's the more interesting and, part yeah in a bad movie. and it's <laughs> yeah and, you know even I people like me that did not like mm-hmm. the movie made a point to say he's terrific who is this guy I, I wouldn't oh. say that I was, like, going home being
1: like, this Worthington's got it. But, I you know, I what always bugged me about that movie is that movie existed as a story about that character. And then Christian Bale was signed. On. It's like, well, let's make John Connor a bigger yeah. deal than he was. And it's like, wow, this really fucked the movie oh. over.
2: <laughs> like, well, because like, they wanted just... Christian Bale for that character. And Christian Bale's like, what if I was John Connor or something, right? And Warner Brothers is like,
1: well, you're Batman, so we need to construct... We need to rewrite the entire script to make you half of the movie now as opposed yep. to what seemed way more interesting to me as far as him being this kind of... That original plot was interesting, character. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's
3: a movie I'm, I, I haven't... I've and only somehow seen it director times. Mick
1: G didn't save it.
3: <laughs> I've only seen that movie a few times because I, I don't like it. But every time I watch it, it's like, if this hadn't been a Terminator movie, this probably would have been pretty good. Because there are points where it's like, it it it's... Too. Oh, yeah. It's a very, Elson, it's a pretty well acted. It's Innocent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Always.
1: There's one um, really goofy scene where, like, they're facing one direction and there's nothing going on. Then they turn around, like, a giant fucking flying ship comes out. It's like, you didn't hear that coming?
3: Like, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and these just weird visuals in the plants. It's like a fucking optical illusion just for fun. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, speaking of that, speaking of all this stuff in Avatar right now, um, what kills me is that none of this is here. <laughs> like every time right. I think about yeah. this, that like they are fully giving performances, they're acting and everything, and everything here is fake. <laughs> like, nothing is real, and yet it's so like I'm so into what's happening. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. And, More than the the blue people and the creatures, it's like the landscapes are like I feel like I could touch them and I can't.
3: Um. And I think, you know, without going into too many details for the sequel, I think that's something that Cameron tries with the high frame rate that he uses, where he almost, you know, he, there there are scenes in that film that feel like you're in a virtual reality simulation.
2: Yeah. I think a high, and frame, rate, reach out and, high frame rate would be, be beneficial for the 3D aspect. Uh, yes. 3D more so than um, just looking cooler as a 2D image but I was like, when I was hearing about the high frame rate, I'm like, I'm betting that's for the benefit of the 3D more so. Oh, absolutely.
1: Did either of you see the re-release of this when it came out? Yes, I did. did? So they, you know, it was remastered in 4K and everything but he also incorporated more HFR uh, for for that Mm -hmm. release. Um, I have notably not been a fan of HFR movies. (laughs) It just... Like Gemini man got me close. <laughs> so Gemini like, man was Ang, interesting, yeah. Ang Lee's really trying hard to win me over with this stuff. Um but it just uh, Did you see Billy
3: Lynn? I saw Billy Lynn as well, yeah. That um, was the one that I really enjoyed, but
2: the high frame rate baked, on that didn't look good though.
3: That was baked baked into the notion that he's disoriented and slightly off-kilter the entire picture. Mm. Yeah. So I you know he's, he's you know the high frame rate was basically a giant representation for PTSD that being said I thought it was fascinating to watch
1: I I agree that there's an interest I have in it it just still doesn't yeah. like it doesn't connect me to the movie more is my issue it feels like it pulls me keeps yeah. I'm never not aware that I'm watching something
3: with yeah. it, which is and, what I which know, is the opposite of what I think it's trying to do you know when I t- you know I'm taking my two younger kids to see the sequel on Saturday and I specifically opted for a conventional 3D screening Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, you know is if it, ethan is it billy wants lynn's post game walk is that <laughs> yes yes
1: um what i was going to add is that the less said about the hobbits the better as far as the hfr goes because i don't think that works at nobody all. like yeah, no, right, no that right, was yeah.
2: that was like bbc 1970s Yeah. yeah to be fair i only saw the first one in high
3: frame because they did obviously I, the studio realized the reaction was bad so the screen did sequels for press and regular
1: I saw the first one in HFR and didn't like it. Saw it the second time, the same, the first movie, the second time in regular. I was like, this is better. Still okay (laughs) with the movie. But then so then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. But it was the only option I had when the second one came. I was like, fuck, I got to go see it this way. (laughs) I'm so fine. Third one, I think I finally got away from it. Third one, they finally showed like an IMAX screening without Mm. it. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) My,
4: my feeling you know, ten, is the one
3: I like the least, but fine. Whatever. Not fair. <laughs> so. You know, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, God, I do not want every movie I see to look like this. Mm-hmm. 10 years later, it's like, I still feel that way, but it's – again, I wouldn't want to live there, but it's nice to visit once in a while.
1: It, it's worn I, me I, down a bit, but the, but the what I was going to bring up with this movie, with Avatar, not the sequel, is that the incorporation of HFR in certain scenes, not all the scenes, but certain scenes, yeah. action generally – It does. It got it got me the closest to being like, okay, I get get this like this is working for me as far as it's making the action feel more visceral, which is for something like this, what's desired. And I appreciated that.
2: I don't mind with like an Lee messing around with it, trying to figure it out. And if he figures it out or like a Cameron does, that's great. But I don't want my old films playing in a high frame rate. I don't want everything. Yeah. You know, like I don't think everything's made for a high frame rate. It's um, it's
1: funny because like I love Life of Pi. I think that is a really great movie. I really like what Ang Lee did there, and I'm I'm convinced that if he had it in HFR, I wouldn't have liked it nearly as much as I did. <laughs> I feel like that would have like taken away the emotional connection I get when I watch that movie. Um, mm-hmm. even though it's in 3D, it's complete with the scene where like fish go beyond the frame of the fucking widescreen, it's like that's a little gimmicky. But I guess the movie works so much more. Hey, but, work
3: for GeForce.
1: Yeah, and R.I.P. Your Khan. <laughs> okay so now we get the best character in the movie yes <laughs> what,
3: Without what is, the she period? should have won a fucking oscar for this one this is she's uh, really good at this she's Great. why the movie works emotionally
2: mm-hmm. i mean
3: it's simple as that i mean I not wanna...
2: worthington whoa oh <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: and
3: you know it's it's it's, you
4: well, know, it's, it's, this, it's
3: it's the scene that everybody excerpts from, you know, the -the behind-the-scenes footage when she's lashing out at him. Yep. But it's such a marvelous piece of acting. And I do wish she had gotten more credit, you know, 13 years ago.
1: Well, it's what throws me again where people want to say, like, you know, I hated the story and all the characters suck. And it's like, if there's one thing Cameron's proven is that he's really great making strong female characters, and Mm -hmm. she is certainly the one that you walk away from as far as this is a really solid character in this movie to like remember beyond the villain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's and not the, it's not the, its this weird like it's not even cultural amnesia. It's just more like this guy's just doing too good, so I need to like
3: be skeptical about something. And I this is right. what I've chosen. <laughs> um, I mean, there's in you know, I mean the the backlash to this film started like in the first month, so it wasn't like a a long stewing thing. And you know, at the time, I wrote about it and like you know. You know, blockbuster backlash. Whenever a film becomes exceptionally successful, there's always like one dumb reason why it was successful. The Dark Knight was only successful because Heath Ledger, because Heath Ledger died, yada, yada, yada. Avatar was only successful because of the 3D. Jurassic Park was only successful because of the dinosaurs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, or Sixth Sense only because of the twist. And it's always bullshit because if it was only those things, then those elements wouldn't have mattered. Almost.
2: It's, it's oh, the weakest possible argument. Gotta keep going argument. back to it's, the it's theater always... and seeing that twist again. <laughs> it's, this woulda,
1: it's this woulda coulda shoulda logic that I just don't understand mm-hmm. it's, like, it, it's like if they took this thing out well if they took that out that's not the movie you want. yeah exactly like, it doesn't, if, it doesn't yeah. make
2: any sense if, to if you me. take it's like everything where, out that makes it good it won't be good anymore yeah, okay you, you've solved
1: the problem yeah you remove removed the things that make the movie <laughs> the movie congratulations yeah. on that solving that one it's like when when boyhood came out and it was like well if they didn't make it over all these years who would have cared it's like well that's not the movie though they did make it over all these years that's the that's part of the accomplishment right it's, yeah, yeah it, it's I don't understand understand what, that, what that's supposed to mean
3: to um, me. Or like, like a I film tried. that, oh, you know, it only works because of the cast. Well, somebody had to cast them. Yeah like a <laughs> well, well, good the sense movie? to pick these actors. You know what? There should be people on screen. You're right. Oscars. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um... You're absolutely right, and you know, I even talking about the second film. You know, it obviously, you know, you can argue that oh, it's an audio visual, blah blah blah, and that's a huge part of its appeal. Well, yeah, that's that's the whole point. Yeah, it's allowed to be that. <laughs> the
4: flex. Well, it's, and you know, seeing
3: a movie, movies are visual, <laughs> especially at a time when theatrical is you know under attack, and frankly, a lot of endpole films feel and look smaller than they used to.
2: Well, look at this; it's not in two thirty five. <laughs> it's not, well, because like... this is
3: the IMAX uh aspect ratio.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean
3: uh when you saw it in regular conventional mm-hmm. 3D, I think it was two thirty five. Was it two thirty-five? I believe so. I uh, don't know. <laughs> um and I, was I, I, in 185
2: Um Yes. I think just the um, way
1: visual effects work, I don't yeah. think he can do to I don't know.
3: Yeah, I, I know. know like I know he generally uses super thirty-five, so he can mm. I mean I could be mistaken. I, I know true lies with super thirty-five. Um I think Terminator 2 was too. Um, But I am curious, you know, because I only saw Avatar once in theaters and it was an IMAX, I've actually never seen the film in two, three, five. (laughs) Because every time I watch it, it's either, you know, the one time it was cropped for TV on an airplane, which doesn't really count, or I'm watching it on Blu-ray or here where it's the IMAX ratio. Um, Which I would argue is a preferred way to watch it anyway, but I digress. Um, Sorry, you
4: were what? saying I apologize.
2: From what
3: I can tell it's a 185 movie.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um
2: which you need to make the, the Navi look as oh. big as they are.
1: Yeah, that that'd be my main selling point yeah. of that. It's like how do you how do you show nine foot cat creatures walking around next to people? We can
3: shoot in one one eighty five, that's how and it's it's because they spend so much of the movie just interacting with each other, I sometimes forget how freaking tall they are
4: yeah
3: um
2: well also scott you're talking about the backlash stuff like i i going back to the um one of the things is like it's very it's it's earnest um, yeah, and people love their snarkiness nowadays and i back to the landau interview i was listening to today he said that people go into making movies like too plot focused and not Thematic focused enough. Mm-hmm. And he's They're like script when, watchers, and he's like, when people, he's like, they need you know, plot needs to be there, but like, you need to convey a theme to people in marketing, in the in the movie, and that's what people enjoy the experience. He's like, and you know, he was talking about like Top Gun Maverick. He was like, you know, the spectacle is one thing, but I think it's the themes and stuff of the movie that keep people going back and making that um such a hit movie, and that's what people that's what they lack nowadays is a strong theme sticking to it and you know they're they're just too plot focused well it's it's funny and
1: and the the flavoring on top of it's very ephemeral it's all you know it's quips and it's easy ideas that don't track beyond what cameron's essentially saying about like what does it mean to be an adult that has responsibilities (laughs) like it's like he's he's very much right about that like the things that they are trying to connect you to is like hey uh, Paul Rudd has some kind of problem that he might be able to solve as Ant Man that you will forget about immediately afterward. Like there's right. nothing, there's no meaning, there's no weight behind these things. Like even the Spider Man movies, it's like, oh, will he be able to get out of high school and have a girlfriend still? Like, okay,
4: I, I mean,
2: it'll be like, oh look, I'm a blue, oh, my pee is green. This is crazy, right?
4: Because it, like
2: it's like you there's mm-hmm. this. I, there's this, there's a
1: clear earnestness that James Cameron really likes to ride on, and yes, that can be very corny at times. But also, it's that's, why like of,
2: there, yeah, that's why you that's, like Terminator Two. Yeah, that's why you like Alien. There's,
1: there's a lot of movies that hold up seventy years later because of that kind of earnestness, compared to movies today that will not hold up because they lack that kind of earnestness. Kind <laughs> of, sh- I mean, I is Vin Diesel supposed to be in one of the later Avatar movies? I, he's he's all of the whales on this one. Um, oh, that I, makes sense. I have we have no idea beyond the fact that he was on set at some point. That the only reason I is ask is because
3: they both remind me of people that come off visually and physically as you know macho dudes and er, uh, but they're just such fucking and I say this as a compliment, super sincere nerds.
2: Yeah, About Cameron a and Bleeding Diesel? Bleeding
3: hard. Diesel, yeah. No, Diesel yeah. is a perfect well, fit.
2: Why I are people loving the Fast movies? Why is exactly. keep going? They have themes. They have I earnestness. Mean,
3: you know, they got more popular when they got relentlessly, unapologetically cheesy. I mean, Furious 7 almost breaks the fourth wall, but it works. Yeah. I, um, uh, 9. if 9 does that. <laughs> no, I was referring to it. Never mind. <laughs> no, I just meant the, the Paul Walker thing.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you meant more like the Ty- Tyrese being like, are we in Oh, yeah, that, that doesn't stuff? work. That's a
3: different conversation. I think it does work, honestly. Nah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I will yeah. say it's telling that, you know, how I feel about F9 that, like, the scene where they go into space is, is the most sincere, emotionally moving part of the movie. That's why I think the Tyrese stuff works yeah. it goes yeah. for that, but regardless. That's
1: fair. Um, <laughs> I, I like, at night, how everything's bioluminescent. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, all of this looks mm-hmm. great. I just, just watch them take steps. Like we're at a point in this movie now where there's not going to be a whole lot of action for a good portion of it. It's just going to be all But it's well, discovery. It's, it's, it's great. Exactly. It's all, exactly, it... it's all this discovery. It's all this world building that we're going to see for like the next hour of this movie and I am completely enthralled by it.
2: Yeah, so. no, it's it's we, it, it I don't know, it just speaks so well to things and you're just like it feels like it gives you stuff you've never seen before, but it's familiar enough that you know what something like it is similar to. Um, but like the horses, they are things like that. And it's, yeah, it's, they're not, they're not like playing the audience for dummies, but it's, it's relatable. Um, it is. I, guess. I mean,
1: it, it's, it, it's not play That's exactly what it's not trying to do. Like what it's right. trying to, what it wants to do is say, Hey, this is neat, right? Let's like have let's just have a good time watching this and enjoying everything on tree. We don't need to make a joke to make you feel like you need to laugh at the exactly, point. Exactly. Yeah. Let's just have a good time here because hey, you've not seen this before. Oh my god, the story's familiar. Have you ever seen a world built from the ground up? Yeah. <laughs> like, here here's one. Here's a new one of those. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that that's what gets me about decrying the idea of getting sequels where it's like what do you think the story is going to be the exact? They, they've already done the origin. Like, what well, should you be more excited that it won't be this story? It'll be something you have no idea mm-hmm. what? <laughs> and they, in a world that you've only seen a piece of, <laughs> why do I want not, why do I want less
3: movie? <laughs> it's, right. like, this is a weird argument. It's like, why, why do I need less movie? Well, in, <laughs> it's actually a good distillation of what uh, I'm always whining about in terms of critics that seem to be sharp, you know, they seem to be harsher against just movie movies than they do quote unquote franchise films that haven't been somewhat pre-digested
1: yeah I mean we yeah. got Spider-Man 8, 8 and Batman 9 in the past year like is it not, is it wrong to get Avatar 2 right yeah exactly based <laughs> off of
2: nothing <laughs> something I can't call the shots as to where it's going that's exciting to me like but they all want stuff that's pre-ordained. they get stuff that uh, you know they have comic books to s- reference on they know there's a phase eight coming or something like that and all that there's all the safety net and like you take like the star wars movies nothing's been set after the sequel trilogy and we know where everything eventually lands so there's that so they don't even have to build strong endings to any of these things because we know where the story goes
1: Scott, to get back to a point from earlier, the 2D showings of Avatar were shown in 235 back in theaters. Fair enough. Just to point that out. Cameron had a lot of ideas
3: of mixing things up when it came to the aspect ratios. Something that you mentioned that I think is worth pointing out again is that – and every time I watch this film, I'm impressed by It's not an action movie. No. There's actually very Mm -hmm. little – Conventional action adventure set pieces. Oh, There's yeah. a little bit of violence here and there. There's some animal peril, frankly, but the big action finale lasts about 20 minutes. At the end of a two and a half hour movie,
2: It, it has, is it has more in tune to like a like a Braveheart or something. Yeah, it does. it's an epic. It's an epic.
3: Yeah. epic. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> an adventure
2: epic with
1: some fantasy and sci-fi thrown in. <laughs> Intense,
3: you know, yeah. If, yeah, if right, anything, yeah. and I'm sure this is not. Accidental structurally, it's very similar to Titanic.
2: Oh yeah, Oh uh, th- yeah. He, his structures are except you, him and Billy Zane join forces. <laughs> you can yeah.
4: you can
1: you can trace this in a number of his movies. It's it's like a slowish start, a giant build in the middle to explore what's going on in this world and everything, and develop you, and throw you in these characters, and then like an epic, you know, a, a big, uh, a grand finale <laughs> where it yeah. really just delivers I mean, on all the
3: all the front. As far as is... what else can we do with the spectacle? And I think this is one of the reasons why his films are as successful as they are, is that he is sort of a master of the third act. Yeah. In a way that even a lot of his peers, you know, I mean, discourse notwithstanding, I think Joss Whedon used to be very good at that. I mean, there's a, you know, that's why the Avengers was as successful as it was.
1: Because he lets you sit with this thing for a while and let you, regardless if you like the story or not, you're absorbed by what's taking place enough to care by the end of this thing. So it's an
3: emotionally draining experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Buffy season finales were almost all bangers. Yeah. Um and Firefly or the Serenity, the movie. That's yeah. a yeah. spectacular third act. Um,
1: yeah, um T2 was obviously an amazing third. Like, the Alien. Yes. He's he's amazing yeah, at yeah. ending his films. You know, mm. you know, any and he has everything at his disposal as far as he knows what he wants to get out of people. That's why you have great scores in these movies as far as turning on a dime when it comes to you need the emotions to be here at this point. I don't think Avatar is the best score, but James Corner is certainly doing his damnedest to make you feel something when you're getting to all the animals coming together and flying at these helicopters. <laughs>
3: the, work is, the work is there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. and you know, Just for a random example, what I always find interesting about Chris- Christopher Nolan pictures is a lot of his, in my opinion anyway, tend to peak in the second act. Um, and that's not necessarily a criticism because partially because I, for example, the Dark Knight, I like how unconventional the third act is. But in terms of the the hard charging, crowd pleasing stuff that often happens in the middle of the movie, because he makes like emotional parabolas, like those are his
1: movies. Like he he wants you to get to a fever pitch in the action before driving you down and down and down back into character, so you can end on a on a more personal note. That said. I think Tenet will age very well. I'll just put it that way. I think yeah. that movie is fascinating as far as what it's trying to accomplish. <laughs> when you've got subtitles, it already has. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, I, there's so many factors about that. But, like, the final set piece in Tenet is, I think, incredible.
2: There's some, impress- there some impressive <laughs> stuff in there. There's like action, like se- Like, their unique action sequences. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, I
3: ima- I imagine, and again, I, I have mixed feelings on Tenet, That's no secret. But I imagine we're gonna see a shit ton of Tenet was good actually essays dropping next July. Oh,
2: probably.
1: Oh yeah. And, and, and when the years to come, when you know we're yeah. back at all of his photography, there's just <laughs> it as if you take everything away from it involving like people's thoughts on Note or what have you, just look at it like from an action perspective. There is not a many a movie that are, is like Ted, which is why it only grows on me every time I watch it. Like it's, it, I think it's pretty fascinating, anyway, that's this one movie. that you know.
3: My film, <laughs> my feelings notwithstanding, I love the first act of Ted. That's my favorite. Of fair, you know. Um. Um. Now, is this refresh? memory? is that CCH Pounder?
1: Am I? Are you behind us? I mean, she's you know she's wearing that big red thing.
3: Uh. Am I am I behind you? Are they in the trees already? They're, they're in, in the trees, trees
1: again in their blank their their uh their hammocks.
3: <laughs> okay. Are they kumbayaing or are they already past that? They're Tempur-Pedic they're, hammocks. They're, they're getting in their, their hammocks to go to sleep. I think I'm about 30 seconds behind you. Hold on a second. Okay. okay.
1: okay. But yeah, so to, what but he's yeah, about so to like, wake like, up. But yeah, they Yeah, that's where like he's gotten his hammock thing and he's got to go to sleep and mm-hmm. yeah and white but yes and... we just yes we just passed CCH, cch pounder like she was she tested she mm-hmm. like grabbed his blood and everything and all that's that.
2: not it's cch pounder <laughs> i <laughs> forgot
1: the, the built-in explanation
2: and you got to do that um, uh more Speaking of this of cast, which no more of this
1: cast real quick um cch pounder west studio Lazalonzo alonso those mm-hmm. are all those are all set <laughs> like it we can talk about the Notion of tribalism and what have you, but um, for Zoe Saldana, um, what's her name, que- uh, Queer Anka Kilcher from the New World, she was Pocahontas in the New World, Terrence Malick's film. Uh, she okay. was considered uh, for a good while, mainly because like camera just saw the New World's like this. We need to have her. Like that was his thought. <laughs> uh, might have been a bit too on the nose as far as yeah, finding a you know an <laughs> American character to play this character probably didn't help. Um, I know uh, Eugene Kim from Lost. She was in like the oh. test. She was in the test footage uh, for for the tier, the Terry character. I don't know if that was a just like a thing they were working on. Or, stunning. She never or went
2: that. past. I mean, she's done other things, surely, but like Lost was it? Like mm-hmm. I thought she had star power in her, but so did James Cameron. Apparently,
1: uh, Brie Larson auditioned for something given that there's not a lot of female characters in the movie, I don't know what it would be and for. her That's age not at the tyranny, time? But she's pretty young at the time, too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what. Maybe just another Navi character or something in the
3: film. You <laughs> find <a> character? <laughs> yeah,
1: it be, yeah, it would be easy. Yeah, be easy. Uh, with Weaver, uh, Jodie Foster and Jamie Lee Curtis were other ideas. Oh, oh okay. Because Cam- Cameron thought, it's too easy if I get Weaver. <laughs> but then he settled <laughs> on Weaver anyway.
2: <laughs> but he'd done Jamie Lee Curtis before, too. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but uh, yeah, he settled on Weaver. By the way, all of her cigarettes, CG, every single one, of course. Um,
2: and Julie and Juliet Lewis, <laughs>
1: we should, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you got these character acts, you got Giovanni Ravizi, you have Joel David Moore, is such a curious choice to me because <laughs> it's like I don't like, I don't know if he just saw something big in this guy, like he thought he's like, This is gonna be the next comedic all star or something, and he's like, We need this guy, we need to get Joel David Moore in here,
2: art school confidential.
1: But it's like him and Rabisi just feel like those are fun choices just because they seem so different and outside Mm -hmm. the box. Uh, Even though Rabisi like makes sense for a kind of corporate guy like this, it's still like he's Rabisi. He's going to put a little Mm -hmm. he's going to put a little mustard on the roll. Um, But um, this is where we talk about D-Leap Rao, who has one of the most astounding runs for like an actor where he has... This drag me to hell and in Inception.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's in these. I'm three, working with the best three
1: auteur-driven films that like cast him in key roles, and he gets off. Th- and he's come out of nowhere um, and, and does these back to back to back, and then just you know goes out back you know does whatever like he, like he has very he has almost no other credits. He has like two random movies in 2014, 2015, and now he's in all the Avatar sequels. Uh, he has.
4: Yeah, a I'll couple tell you
1: what. TV credits. He was on Jeopardy, apparently, but that's it. Like, he's got nothing else.
2: So. Joel, David Moore. I'll give you this. Like, it's he's, he's fine as a human stuff, but as a Navi, he's outstanding. Like, he's got a voice that goes with a cartoon character very easily. I could agree. So with that. I so I would say that's probably was a lot of his appeal. Like, well, and he can act easily as a human. So I, I would think I think his, he's got a very distinct voice That would work well with a Navi.
1: Yeah, it's the way that they have these Navi crafted to like resemble the because it's their DNA, right? Yeah, yeah. Like look like them. It's weirdly trippy. And yeah, more fits. And also because more is like a gangly nerdy guy, quote unquote, versus Sam Worthington, who's, you know, he's got
2: a good arc of his jealousy on Sam Worthington and trying to and having to overcome it. It's a good arc as far
1: as, yeah, that works. It's just, it's like, It's never not funny to watch him make, like, grimacing faces as Jake gets all the attention. He's in there being like, I studied for years reading Navi language. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be with the chief and the daughter. What? (laughs) That's in the script, too. They wrote that down. Um, All the animals that aren't Navi have uh, six arms. That's another fun thing to point out. This
2: is where he's getting it on with the horse
1: linking that's the other yeah. thing too like all the thought that goes into how these creatures and navi and everything connect to the world i find fascinating yeah that's such an, a, a really interesting well, approach to me as far as how to how to literally you know they're literally connecting to nature
2: well <laughs> no, it's it's very uh evolution focused that like they all came from something and evolved into certain ways on this planet and go uh-huh. together just like you know sort of like similar thing to like earth and, and stuff with where people evolve from different things or go different ways. Um Definitely. It makes sense that all these things have this and there's a connection to the, to the trees and everything like that, Um which is quite amusing and fascinating. And just like, how far can it go? What else
1: is here? Which is something I look forward to in these preceding sequels. Cause it's like, that's, clearly the stuff camera just like Ridley Scott's all into robots now, like camera just seems interested in like, how do I keep finding ways to like bring sci-fi out of the fantasy and, <laughs> and dig into like what it means to literally connect to nature and like, how does the soul correspond to this? And yet still like deliver that in like scientific terms and what like, and like try to log that. And something
2: right. Like- you, you know, it's funny you mentioned Cause like I, when I watched it this last time I was thinking about, how not too far dissimilar, to similar uh, Prometheus is from this avatar in terms of director's explorations on life and, and the way and what people are seeking or whatever. Like there's a, there's a study here of the Navi and we're learning about where they came from and how that works. And then like Prometheus is about finding your creator, going and seeing um, it's more uh, Prometheus is more not on the screen thoughts about that kind of stuff, but it's there um it's a little more on the nose here but I, I kind of feel like they have there's some there's something covenant's also very on the nose about it yeah too, there, far there's the something linking cameron and ridley scott's thoughts going in here they make completely different movies but i
1: uh, I'd argue it's not a coincidence that these auteurs and there's others we can name also mm-hmm. they are doing this at a stage in their life where they've already accomplished everything they need to accomplish <laughs> like right. so like what else can we do well we can make things that reflect on the emotional states that we have the things that we're interested in and mm-hmm. in a broader sense which is you know goes in line of Scorsese and Spielberg and Lucas like they yeah. <laughs> like they've they've done the thing like they, they got the you know the stuff that made them a name out of the way now they can just do what they want to which what would you want to do if you're a literal creator a filmmaker an artist you want to mm-hmm. <laughs> dive into like these themes that you clearly explored in your other films and like a more right a, a more yeah, emotional this seems, way
2: this, you know? ah, this stuff's so cool
1: yeah, the floating mountains, the Hallelujah Mountains, amazing. This yeah.
2: <laughs> is great. And it's great when you go to the theme park too, they have them floating. I, that's the thing I'd really like to see. You can't walk on them though, but.
1: I remember watching like some behind this or like some, you know, video that went into like them wanting to like basically make them real. Like obviously not real, but like they wanted to like find a way where it didn't look you know, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like they, and they found some, uh, you know, taking it, not taking James camera for granted. It's like, yeah, we, so we invented ways to make that work essentially, <laughs> like, not just cheat it.
2: That's the thing with cameras. Like his perfectionism is so welcome. Like, it's like, you're only seeing something here because it was finally right. Yeah. Like, it was never like, Whereas movie's were like it was never like oh well we had to hurry up and finish and get it done. I'm sure there's stuff that they still like to fix but everything's ready for presentation. It, it's ready it because to. if it's
1: not ready, Cameron will know about it and he'll take you to task for it. He, he is a mm-hmm. he is a director where he, you know there are some directors that just you know they they will let the crew guys, they'll let the other craftsmen do the thing that they need to do because that's what they're hired to do. Cameron knows how this stuff works. He is he he may not be able to do visual effects as well as the visual effects artists, but it, he's he knows how to he have that what conversation he wants, though. He, and he knows yeah. how to, he knows how. Yes, he knows what he wants. He knows he, and he knows when someone's messing up <laughs> like, and he will make sure to know that he make sure to let you know that you can't mess up because this needs to be mm-hmm. exactly
2: how I want it to be. <laughs> and everything's just got purpose and fit like. Yeah. It's a big tree. And it's fun to watch these action sequences and the camera move and the carrot. Like, it's not just it's, like, well, we're doing a thing. It's you're you're with them at times. It's it, not so much voyeuristic, but interactive almost. And I mean, just, yeah, yeah, look, look down, man. I want to I'm like, ooh, Even <laughs> just like here, you
1: know we are an hour into this movie and I always forget that. Oh yeah, that's right. There are flying beasts in this that have not been introduced. Yep. yet. It's like, this is like, We've already got so much. It's like, what else do we have? That's right. Dragons.
3: I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have been married for a while, so this is irrelevant, but when I used to date, I always took my, uh, would be dates on a first date to see giant flying beasts in the forest. Right. <laughs> that's probably why I was single for a while.
2: So if, if, if Avatar is one of the best IMAX experiences, 3D, what is the best 2D IMAX experience? I want to go Mission to Ghost Impossible. Protocol. Ghost yes. Protocol. Yep. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say too. I was like, because that movie, that felt 3D without the glasses. But. Oh man, that's fucking
1: rocked. Yeah, yeah go to call, and uh, I mean, Dark Knight. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's there's a it, dozen it, holy shit experiences because Dark Knight. Any of them from Nolan. Dark yeah. Knight's introducing the whole let's use IMAX cameras. Right. And, you know, it, when the when the first scene of a movie is here's a shot of a building and a window explodes and that's blowing your mind, yeah. like, he's pulling it yeah. off. <laughs> he's well, doing I mean, the thing
2: right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, Like anything, though. Like, cause I mean, Interstellar, Dunkirk, they all like tenant. They all look fabulous on oh, yeah. IMAX. They're,
1: they're certainly amazing experiences. But yeah, like the idea, like doing that the first time with Dark Knight and just like it's not like yeah. I have. IMAX by me that's one of the biggest in the country so it's like seeing and then you know 2008's when they're still using film
2: we have we have one of the we we, here we have one of the few that has 70 millimeters still there you go yeah so we we still and one of the largest so it's at our state museum that's where i saw tenant they
1: they have here it's digital now but they still put it in basically whenever nolan has a film they had to do they had to start (laughs) They had to start up Interstellar like three different times because they couldn't get it right because no one, like, there weren't enough people that knew how these things work. So they had to, like, figure it out. So I saw, like, Ellen Burstyn talking for like three minutes. Three times in a row before I got, we got to see the rest of that movie.
2: Wasn't Interstellar <laughs> the one that kind of pushed the limits of the amount of reels that they could yes. use because yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just long.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's <literally>, it's <laughs> about yeah. as long as this film. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think ours had like overheating problems with the projector, like during like the first weekend. We didn't I didn't have it in my screenings, but I had heard something about there were like overheating problems
1: or something with projectors. Chris Nolan breaking theaters. Well, he's giving them a break next year. You should be watching it, it on the, the phone, ways. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but are there other, like, because, like, yeah, that's not that they're bad, but it's obvious. It's like, yeah, Gross Protocol and Dark Knight are, like, amazing examples of doing this thing.
3: I mean, the, the five-minute sequence in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, where they're fighting in the forest, is just freaking awesome. Yeah, that's good. same about the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie <laughs> uh,
1: including the other IMAX stuff because yeah. Michael Bay's editing is so fucking jarring where it's like cutting yeah. back and forth between big scene, little scene in the midst of like pyramids and stuff right. and he, and he does 235 so it's stupid because you have these giant transformers and all this fucking land in between them.
4: It's like what's <laughs> happening.
3: <laughs> um that being said, I, I so enjoyed the ridiculous, bonkers, banana spectacle of Agent Extinction that I kind of wish I had seen in IMAX, just for curiosity. Oh, I, I saw it. IMAX I and it. it looked great.
1: <laughs> he, yeah. The, the 3D is the best thing that happened to him in the Transformers because yes. it slows him down. He can't do the things that he's doing. So, like, Dark of the Moon, you can actually admire the craft a lot more than you can at Revenge of the Fallen.
3: Um. Yeah, but I, mean, I I will argue the caveat that I don't particularly like the first Transformers. I think three and four, are the quote unquote good ones.
2: Bumblebee's the best one. Oh, d- d-
3: yes, of the d- yes. Yeah, and it's one eight five where it makes sense. <laughs> 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 By the way, this this is actually one of the examples of where I actually like voiceover narration because they provide a reason for it at the end. Sure. And it's actually very somewhat moving. I'd agree, oh. and
1: I, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll I'll go as far as to say I don't think Sam Worthington's bad in this movie. Like it's just, oh he's fine, he's very good. Like it's as you said, it's a blank slate. So it's like yeah, yeah I'm not going out of here being like oh I want to be Jake Sully when I grow up. But it's like he's
2: got a couple like comedic lines he doesn't deliver quite well, but I don't think he's. Eh, it's a long
1: movie. Yeah, the, um. yeah. The, the I mean, this movie's not known for jokes. <laughs> yeah. no. it's, not,
2: it's not a, no, it's not a but, particularly I mean, funny film. <laughs> when I watched it last week, I was like, "Oh, that could have that could have hit better." But I, there are, also, his is- character
1: isn't very bright or sharp witted. Yeah, I, I do. Well, we, we just pass over a thing that I do think is pretty funny when he just he's falls not bright, he deck. takes yeah. over
2: the Navi, dude. When he, when, he, when he
1: just falls down completely and messes up the whole like grab on the branches and whatnot, and then he just kind of walks it off. Like, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> that's actually that's that's funny. <laughs> and he's got like good, I think he delivers like gruff lines well, mm-hmm. like what. What he when he when he when it's when he says uh, you got to go where the banshees are. It's like, mm-hmm. and, and then he, and he goes, Oorrah. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm into this. Like, he has to climb a bunch of trees and get a dragon. Like, great, cool stuff.
2: foreshadowing, way of the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes to the goes to the left.
1: Um, let's see, Stephen Lang, uh, who we haven't seen in a while. Good actor. Um, man. Good actor, Stephen Lang. Manhunter Stephen Lang, who does not. Who, <laughs> if he puts man, <laughs> manhunter Stephen Lang against this Stephen Lang, he's like are th- are
2: those the same people? Um, right. Yeah. No. He he looks <laughs> he looks like a like Michael Bean couldn't get as jacked for this as Stephen Lang did, so he chose Stephen Lang.
1: <laughs> like that's yeah. There's a lot like. of there's a lot of conflicting opinions it seems about what happened with michael bean where it's like that seems like an obvious go-to for cameron he's his guy he's been in a lot of his movies he he's done the abyss where he played the villain before Mm -hmm. so why not some have said that he just didn't want to do it because having weaver and bean would be like doing aliens again that's a weird excuse um some say that bean just didn't like the script um so just think cameron just didn't like what bean was bringing in with like kind of going through the story with him I don't really know. I don't think I don't know what the exact because I
3: I don't think Michael Bean's going to be like, yeah, I'll turn down this James Cameron
4: movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want
3: to be a dick about it, but he I don't imagine he was in a position to say, no, no, I don't need to do this. So I I don't exactly know um, what happened there.
1: But I mean, you got Stephen Lang, who honestly, like I know I've seen Stephen Lang, like, I you know, I know Manhunter and like Tombstone. The um, hard way. But like I, mm-hmm. I just I couldn't say before Avatar, I was like, man, Stephen Lang from all of those movies. I, did you
3: were you guys like wildly aware of Stephen Lang before Avatar happened? Uh, yeah, only because I had seen. I mean, my introduction with to him accidentally was the Hard Way, which is a pretty funny which action the hard and comedy. Was oh, that the the Woods one with Fox? Yeah. Yes, James okay. Woods, Michael J. Fox, and he plays the serial killer antagonist. Okay, and he's kind of ripped. You know, especially for a character, you know, he's not—he's not, he's not Jamie Gum. Let's put it that way. Um, like he's got a good amount of credits here before. it's yeah. are for sure. Like I, 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 just, I just feel like I've missed the Lang window. <laughs> I'm assuming, like every actor on the earth, he was in Crime Story once or twice. Um, and probably Miami Vice too. <laughs> Let me look at this because it's probably true. He
2: gets no glory. He's in, he's in Crime.
1: He has 26 yes. episodes
2: of Crime Story. Yeah. Yes, everyone is in Crime Story. 38 episodes, Aaron.
1: I see 38.
2: I see 26. 38 episodes. Was there a reboot season, of Crime Story? <laughs> season 1, season 2. Yeah, th- 1986 to
1: 1988. Attorney David Abrams. on the wiki version of this. I don't know.
2: 38 of 43 episodes. So he was a series regular, Scott. It's been a while.
3: <laughs> I watched it on a women college because it was, was on every afternoon.
2: He's on the Equalizer. He did Project X.
3: The the Matthew Broderick Monkey. Yeah. Movie? Yep. Yes. Fair enough. So we just, oh, we uh, didn't get, it it, oh, was didn't it didn't wasn't a get... Todd. Yeah, I was sure it wasn't the Todd Phillips party movie. We we Gettysburg the moment. What are you kids doing? Get out of my house. Ooh. That's even great. <laughs> Remember Gettysburg? <laughs>
1: uh, vaguely. Remember how they just, like, every now and then made these, like, gods and generals are like, let me just make some Civil War epic and just see if nobody wants goes to see it. Yeah, all right. Let's spend some money on that. (laughs) What's this for again? I don't know. The South Rises Again? for Some bullshit. Whatever. Get Jeff Daniels.
3: Yeah, I'm guessing those didn't age very well. (laughs) I'm pretty sure those are the two longest released in theaters mainstream American movies ever. Yeah, that, that and gods and generals. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Gods and Generals came out like I think like
1: the same week as like Old School, and Roger Roger Ebert hmm. gave both of them like one star.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
3: (laughs) Speaking of Gettysburg, Avatar.
4: Yeah,
1: it's and those dragons.
3: Uh, So what was the same about Stephen? Okay, so Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang got
1: like super buff (laughs) for this movie, and it's ridiculous. (laughs) And Um, he's kind of kept that from the last decade. Yeah, that's like he it's like as if he like wanted to typecast himself. Like that's what he like tried to do. Um he did pop up in public enemies like the same yeah. summer, right? Yeah. It feels
2: like yeah, people had movies right to lead into Avatar. Mm-hmm. So they were like there.
1: But like his, you know, the trailer even sells him where he's just such a force as to be right. like, you know, he's not the most complex of villains, but he certainly makes he leaves an impression for good reason. Like he's doing the job and he looks they and are very in.
3: hard to kill. Yeah, and give him a measure. I always thought that was funny because, of course, at the end of this film, he's very hard to kill. Yeah, ironically, he's not in
1: the movie hard to kill though. So ah, almost. (laughs) Who found this? (sighs) Who who? who, Which navi climbed up all these rocks and was like, "I wonder what's going on behind this waterfall." Oh look, a land of dragons! Oh my
4: god! (laughs) (laughs) Are
3: they gonna learn how to train their dragons? Oh. (laughs) and you know i mean bad jokes aside that film came out in i believe april of 2010 it was sort of one of several hey look this is in 3d now too and because it had you know dragons flying around with a certain vertigo it was somewhat positioned as kind of sort of like avatar Um, oh i I mean when you have it why wouldn't Yeah, exactly (laughs) now of course dreamworks have been doing 3d for ages you know, they basically were just kicking ass with this technology way before, you know, it was quote unquote mainstream. Monsters versus aliens. Exactly. Baby. That was, mm-hmm. that was like, holy, that was an impressive. It experience. really was.
1: I like seeing it. I wish that the movie was the better, but whatever. I, I like seeing it in the
3: theater because it had a sense of scale that I really Oh, it was it fucking well. huge. Because I saw it at IMAX and sat very close and it just was massive. Um. And. You know the other the other two obviously were Alice in Wonderland and Clash of the Titans Clash of the Titans with Clusters, Sam Worthington. which yes with Sam Worthington. that was sort of the go to example of just god awful quickie three D conversions. Uh, I'll be fair I did not see it in three D I saw it in two D because I figured what the you know um,
1: I fortunately and, avoided that in uh in three D because I honestly see it opening, I, I, I saw still it opening say- day but
3: uh, I managed to get out of that one. I would still argue that the worst big 3D conversion of that era was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, mm. which actually affected my enjoyment of the movie when I saw it at the press screening before opening. Because it was IMAX 3D, so it looked huge, but it, you know, it's not a very colorful movie. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a lot of fog and gray, and it just looked ugly.
2: I had issues uh. with my Fright Night in 3D
3: oh god that's another stinker i didn't like the movie because of that it was years until i finally rewatched it in 2d It's like okay i can see why this is popular
1: i remember you not liking that movie and being wrong um (laughs) 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 i mean i remember that was that was the first time where i noticed it was really dark because the theater just Mm -hmm. didn't get how to do it but i still thought the movie was great um the funniest use of 3D, I still think, is Superman Returns in oh, t- 2006.
2: God. Oh, no, it was take your gl- turn your, put your glasses on. because it, it, it,
1: yeah. it, it, <laughs> But what was what was great is for ours, at least in the because it's not an IMAX. They had a guy come in before the movie started saying, all right, everybody got their 3D glasses. Good. So during the movie, there's <laughs> going to be a small 3D glass. Whenever there's a 3D scene, there's going to be a small image at the bottom of the screen blinking, preceding it to let you know to put your glasses on. So be sure to do that. So when it's doing that, like the sequences, it does it in mostly are fine. You know, it's the action sequences, all three of them. And okay, cool. Um, (laughs) But like the one that it got before was by the end, there's just a scene where he's just like flying with Lois or something. And it's supposed to be like an emotional drama scene as opposed Mm -hmm. to an action scene. So the idea of like, you're supposed to be in a certain frame of mind, but then you're like, the little thing comes on the bottom of the screen and you see the audience like Pavlov dog, like put the glasses on while you're all supposed to feel <laughs> wow. something at this. It's like, <laughs> I'm supposed to take this seriously right now. I'm supposed to feel for whatever Lois is going through while we all respond to the 3d. Side?
2: Well, I remember one of them, wasn't it when the, it was the, the plane landing on the field and they were yeah. like, it was mainly just to show the stuff floating in the inside yeah. the plane. Well, that was a movie.
3: God, I'd forgotten that that was partially 3D. Um, Scott, we yeah, I mean, went saw that movie opening. We did. Night. We did. It was. It was not
2: good. Most we're people, like, we're like, forgot that movie. So. We're like, remember the end credit or the opening credits? That was cool. Yeah, yeah I like the. I remember the the credits got me psyched. Like, yeah. I was like,
1: because it's. It's like it's doing the thing, but it has like planets and shit thrown at you now too. So it's like, yep. oh, this is this is a fun update. And
2: then the rest, then the other one hundred fifty <laughs> minutes play. <laughs> and you're like, I I don't think James Marston's really that bad of a guy. Are they trying? To, like, are we supposed to hate him or what are we supposed to? Um, I, like if you think she made the right choice, well,
1: <laughs> not everyone heals as fast as you, Logan. <laughs> um, his, his catchphrase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is always to be said of, after a very, very long pause before you, so it's not a quip anymore and it's just a random statement you're saying down a hallway. <laughs> um,
3: And then funny. they uh, Journey in the Center of the Earth was 3D in the summer of 2008. We're still which was, falling! Good trailer line. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> which was very unusual at that time. That was actually mm-hmm. what made it noteworthy. Yeah, it was that um, like Spy Kids doing its thing. But even Spy Kids, and yes, you're right. But that was sort of the that was sort of the last of the really old school. Yeah, put the red and blue glasses. glasses on, yeah. Which is why you know, partially why you know, a year and a half later, I saw Polar Express, and you know, to quote camera Cameron, I shit myself with my mouth wide open. Mm. Um, the. One of the uh, Beowulf, of course. Beowulf
1: did it oh, I amazingly. Beowulf. Beowulf was that was a great <laughs> that was a, to me a great IMAX experience. Oh that yeah, movie, that movie rocked me to the core with the sound oh, alone. Yeah, in that film.
2: I didn't see that movie until uh, the Blu-ray, but I liked it. Oh god, it was a great. Th- I saw it twice. I like A days. Christmas I like Carol. It. I think it's a solid,
3: solid adaptation. I,
2: um, I, I
1: like that it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> I like that it, it's like it is dark. <laughs> that um, said, I saw Christmas Carol. And they played the like the second trailer for Avatar before Christmas Carol. And it was like, well, okay, I guess we're gonna watch this as a Mechas movie now, but that Avatar looks amazing. <laughs> that <was my> reaction.
2: <laughs> um I like Carol without the Christmas, but takes place at Christmas.
1: It's wild, it's <sighs> it's wild in 3D. That was a weird way to see it for sure. Like you know, the scene the scene when the Riddler from Gotham uh uh, tries to reveal what's going on with Carol, and then it's in 3D. And mm-hmm. he's all like you did this. That's it, pretty good. Who's her husband? Who's? Uh, it's not Moroni. I want to say Wilkinson, but I
3: think I'm mistaken. No, it's not Wilkinson. Mm. No. It's
1: not Moroni. It's someone. some one of those guys. Hold on. <laughs> Salvatore. It's not Salvatore Moroni. <laughs> <laughs> Al Chandler. There we go. Oh yes, that mm. makes. Sense. That's in the Moroni category, right? That's are guys that are <laughs> yeah. kind of similar.
3: <laughs> um. And then the other two that I'm thinking of, uh, the fifth and sixth Harry Potter films had segments. The end of Harry Potter five, the beginning of Harry Potter six, were in 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Which, that. The, just the end of six, maybe be the that dumbest was a choice. 3D ever. Because <laughs> it's it's like a bridge blows up, and then it's Harry and and Dumbledore just hanging out in a cafe.
2: Yeah, As no, it's right at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, there's yeah. a little month. Oh god, yeah. And again, the scene's fine.
3: It's a it's a decent movie, but it's like, why the hell is this in 3D? As I recall, um, I saw... It si- what's six?
2: Death Poop? Is that Order of Phoenix? Six. That is The Half-Blood Prince, which is one of the th- worst book adaptations of the movies. Mm-hmm. Which
1: one ends with the 3D at the end of the last 30 minutes or whatever?
2: Uh,
3: Death, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Order of the
1: Phoenix. Five. Because The Hollows, those are both just 3D. Um, no,
3: Deathly Hallows Part 1, they were going to have it in 3D, but they canceled it the last that's minute. That's right, yeah. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God bless them for that. that Jesus. Because okay, I actually but- did see, I watched bits and pieces because it was like in a store of Deathly Hallows 1 in 3D, and it looked like shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> even though but it's, again, I, I even though it's think, our favorite entry in the oh, series. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> the best of the fucking series. That's um, a great movie. It looked glorious in IMAX 2D. Thank you. Um, okay,
1: okay, so... so, so- <laughs> Before I keep going off on there. So, which one? Sorry, which one's again? with the 30 minutes that ends with 3D? Which one is uh, that?
2: Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. Because okay. that's got I'm, the big mm-hmm. wizard battle at the end. It does, which, but, which was a cheeseburger, fries, uh, Dr. Pepper, and some onion rings. That was yeah. the order of the Phoenix. Okay. Thank you. Good to know.
1: Good. Glad I kept the receipt. I remember I saw that midnight show, as you do, because they didn't have APMs or whatever that they do now. Um, and I was too tired um, so I, so by the time it got to this 3d spectacular i was half asleep while watching that movie uh why was it tired because i'm the one that shows up early and has to save all the seats back in the day and so i was already tired getting into that movie
3: be fair I, brandon talked me out of a midnight for part four and we happily enjoyed a friday evening regular showing of of imax for it, goblet of fire it was a rare mm-hmm. one because
1: I don't generally get tired. Especially, and that, we realized we were, were old, creepy
2: these. dudes that night. we were <laughs> not creepy, but we were like, I was like, I feel I was. We were only in our mid twenties, but we were like, I feel really old. I remember. Well, it was night. fun watching in this. You
3: know, before you know, when back when Cedric you waited Diggory, in
2: line for tickets,
3: <laughs> when Cedric Diggory shows up in the first time in that film, like half the audience gasped. Back
1: to Avatar, really quick. Um, oh, right, that one. I love, I love this shot right here when you see, so you know, you're getting this great montage of Jake Sully like incorporating himself into the world of the Na'vi and everything, and then you get this cut, this reality check where he's getting out of his chair and his legs have like deteriorated even more, and it's
3: like, oh, this is really, this
2: is really sad. Oh, Those are his real legs.
3: Yeah. there's a, a cost to his his <laughs> escapism. Um.
4: That's the anyway, other
1: thing yeah. i mean the the dialogue of these use it's like is it basic i guess but he, you know he is a jarhead like it's not a guy yeah, who's exactly. he's full not. complex thinking it's like I, there's not i don't have an expectation that he's going to start like reciting a, he's, not or, a, or,
3: he's not a teratodine gangster well it, you know this isn't a guy Ritchie picture
2: uh,
3: um and i i uh, again you know and you know i know we all feel the same way about this but you know there's, there's more to screenwriting than just quotable dialogue And this Quaritch stuff is so good. Like, I feel like in the moment, I
1: don't like, I can't, I just don't see the people watching this being like, this is terrible all the way through. And when this, like, scenes like this, where it's just like, you know, good actors saying good stuff, it just works so well.
2: Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get the Disney Plus show with the prequel of Stephen Stephen Lang's character of how he got that. They might be listening. That, that scar on his face like well
1: i mean this is why i'm happy that james cameron is i mean you want know, to talk about this cultural footprint thing again it's like yeah. this is part of it right it's like yep. he didn't, he didn't sequelize this thing he didn't make miniseries he didn't make comics like, he, like there's just there's not a lot of avatar so it's not less special and, and it's, you know, and look it's look not at, a like,
2: cash-in legacy sequel it's we knew there was going to be sequels when it started you just it's now the time he was able to get it right I mean,
1: And you'll have more that'll come sooner because he's done the work already. Like, it's, you know, it is what it is. Well, they've
2: done the work and they've got the, uh, what what do they call it, assets or whatever. mm -hmm. So it it takes less time, it costs less money because assets are now in play from, like, uh, talking like computer graphic-wise, they're already there in play that they don't have to, they can just explore with those now. They don't have to create them, which is the longer part.
3: and I think, you know, and I you know Mia Copa, I wrote about this for the ten year anniversary, which is that I think a lot of the stuff that we used to somewhat chide the film for post release in terms of its cultural impact or whatever are now fucking badge of honor yeah and you know it's anything it's it's, it's you know the film you know the sequel's coming out tomorrow night tonight, whatever and it's like this, this weird. It's almost nostalgic for a time when nostalgia wasn't the driving force of pop culture, right? If that makes any sense. Well,
1: it's because the guy lives in a vacuum in New Zealand where he's writing these stories and coming up with ideas that just excite him, and he's not thinking about like what's going on with the culture today. So when he comes out saying like Wonder Woman's not all that, it's not because he doesn't care. It's just like
2: that's his opinion. That's what he (laughs) saw. Like, well, also I'm
3: assuming he knows with you know battle battle angels in the works. Like, fuck, they ripped off my movie before I got to make it. Because I mean I like them both, but they're the same fucking movie.
2: (laughs) Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and he's James Cameron. Like, he can like I I'll listen to it. You know, he he's made the movies to back it up. He's and he's never been like this or this misogynist racist person that they want to pay him to be. He's just giving his thoughts as a film creator, as one of the best blockbuster film creators we've ever had and it's, I think he's earned the right to say the things he has and I think people spin his stuff harder than he's selling it you know
3: well, and I also think it's just a difference of how those things are covered you know 20 years ago he would have said that thing in a magazine interview and unless you subscribe to people Entertainment Weekly or whatever you wouldn't know about
1: it right that's the and thing too yes the volume is raised a lot louder now and it's <laughs> And you, um, but you're missing the. It's similar to a lot of directors where, when you hear them talking, there's a big difference between when you're reading them. Spike Lee is a oh, great absolutely. example of that. Yeah. So, so like Spike Lee. The way people want to read him, it makes it sound like he's just like this angry man. And it's oh, like, yeah, well, for one thing, stop being racist. The other thing, listen yeah. to him talk and li- listen to how much fun he's having mm-hmm. living his life. <laughs> like it's he's great. like he's he, he <laughs>
2: adorable like, little man that you just yes. want to hug. Well, he speaks quieter. People think he's like the like he's like screaming it's like you know yeah. if you ever seen spike talk he's not like that and also with cameron like either i've seen that they try to spit they want the clicks i get it and stuff but like was talking like cameron says his, his special visual effects are better than Marvel's. So it's like all you're saying is man confident about his movie and standing by it like that why why is that bad like You've seen his effects. They are better than Marvel. <laughs> like, why is this news? Like, why is that bad that he's like? It's just like they stop asking that question. Like, do you like your movie? I do. Do you think it's better than this one? I do. Ooh, like the confidence. Like I like I hated when uh, what was it the Transformers would the third one came out and Michael Bay and them were like yo oh, the second one duh, 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 like they started like bashing it's like you oh, stand by your movie you went and made it like yeah you still, like say like you know what it didn't work this didn't work for people or you know um we did have problems with that but I still liked the movie or you know like it was a writer strike movie it was yeah it was
3: um one thing I like about this scene if I may, this is where he's basically Saying, I want to be with you is for all the talk about, you know, white savior, this machismo, that whatever. Cameron is so careful in moments like this, mm-hmm. where he basically says, Look, you know, I do the mating rituals, you know, I'm not going to choose my mate and have her betrothed to me. She has to choose me first. Right. And later in the film, when he gives the big speech to everybody else, he literally walks up and asks permission to speak. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not that absolves this film, all of its cultural sins, I don't know. But Cameron is clearly aware of the tropes that he's, you know, he's playing in and trying to at least be aware of them and to circumvent them when he can.
1: I um, I agree with you. It's the kind of thing where I, it's hard for me to hold the movie, hold things against the movie for, you know, still ostensibly choosing to have. You know, the white man joins the tribe and then becomes the best of them all. Um, (laughs) There is (laughs) it's hard to say it's organic and how it's able to accomplish that. But, yes, you're right as far as the way it's choosing to approach it. It's not. It's it's not without like effort to try to justify it better than most of the movies that do something similar. Yeah, including f- including Ferngerly, a bad movie,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, just to put that out there. <laughs> and what what always you know if we can you know skip to the ending, what always strikes me about this in terms of the the this genre is that he literally becomes one of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. So. He also makes the choice to become one of them, which means he gives up the safety and security and, and, and uh, that would come from just being a stranger in a strange land.
2: But, and he also speaks up for them against face to face as a human oh. and as a Navi. Cause I mean, um, you know,
3: it's in Dances with Wolves, which is great. I like that movie quite a bit. You know, he goes back to his own people and presumably lives out his life as a, uh, you know as a quote-unquote privileged white guy um okahannas he goes off to england Uh, in this he you know as weird as you know the only way that cameron can get away with this is because this is a fantastical situation you know you're not going to make a movie where mm -hmm. you know tom cruise decides to become japanese at the end of the last samurai
2: uh in witness (laughs) he goes he goes back to the city
1: (laughs) all right right right. he comes with that commentary um, um, the, the best witness commentary there is.
3: But so I, I do think, and again, whether it's defense or not, it just strikes me as interesting about this film that he, he literally chooses to become entirely one of the oppressed. And I think to a certain extent, the sequel plays a little bit with the consequences of that. Um, that's,
1: yeah, that's fair.
3: Um,
1: it's still, yeah, there's. Yeah, it's still swallowing the ideas of, like, you know, this. This guy did think does things better just because he can. He's the one yeah, he's the, one, he's the one that thought what if we captured the giant dragon? Uh, no one else no, thought I agree he was. with you. Mm-hmm. there's like things like that where you just can't really argue around it as far as like what the impression is supposed to be like, yeah, trying to mean, make an argument for the idea that well, this guy's a I don't know what the what the <clears throat> excuse me what the what the uh, disabled community thinks of, of the movie like this as far as having a person that,
2: you know is yeah. Yes. So this is before that was a, yeah, it's a water. Twitter. Yes. That was before the, that was before the, it was a Twitter issue thing or whatever. Of you have to be a murderer in order to play a murderer in a movie. Oh,
3: um, well, that's what Tom Cruise thought while making Collateral. He killed six people. Yeah, and I yeah he I, don't, carried I, don't, out I don't eight contract
1: murders. I, I don't mean in terms of like you need to have a you know person that's paralyzed from the waist below it. But I mean, as far as the depiction of a character like that, what their mindset would be, I don't know what if there's a if this is a if this is as a positive version of that or a negative version of that, as far as like, Oh, you know, he, he feels better now because he has his legs again, if that's like a good thing or something like that. But mm-hmm. I, I do oh. think the movie's concession of, you know, if you're going to make this guy greater than them, at least he's coming from a place where he's already disadvantaged in some way.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. He's already not oh. wanted by his people. Like that's, uh, cause you know, he's not his brother. Mm-hmm. He's rejected. I mean, he's essentially rejected by the people that, are the good people He he's uh, dumb
1: and broken quote unquote yeah. basically
2: yes
3: um he's- and i i do think you know for example one reason i like the kung fu banda films obviously one and two more than three but whatever is that yeah he becomes a dragon warrior but he's not really better than them he just finds a way to be what they need him to be when he needs to be it if yeah. that makes sense and he bows well, that-
2: before the hobbits
3: yeah, and it's, 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 you know, especially in the second one, which is one reasons I like it as much as it deals with, you know, he, at best, he is an equal with them, but he's not, you know, he's not a, he's not, he's not the literal dragon warrior in the sense that he's better than all of them and he's, and, but you're right. It doesn't. It's the same me. with a
1: lot of chosen one narratives that I think are interesting in their sequels yeah. where they deal with what it is to be the chosen one. That's why The Matrix yeah. Reloaded is fascinating. Yeah, yeah that's the, the that's ideal Neo.
3: example. Neo is even, not even the leader. Even Empire Strikes just,
1: back. He's, just, he's, he's the muscle. He's not the yeah, leader yeah. of anybody. He's just the guy that can get shit done.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Empire Strike, Harry
3: Potter, is that? I mean, yeah. Hermione's the smart one. <laughs> like there's yeah. not, you know. They're... And one one thing I reason I think the Harry Potter films work as well as they do is that he really doesn't want to be the chosen one, and it causes him nothing but misery. There's no wish fulfillment fantasy there, and I think that's what a lot of the quote unquote Harry Potter ripoffs missed. That you have all these kids that are like, you know, I may think I'm an outcast at school and girls don't talk to me, but I'm actually the secret dark wizard. <gasps> Uh, and that's not remotely as engaging as a situation. You well, know, Frodo Baggins that doesn't remotely want to be involved in this, but it has to be because circumstances suck. And he suffers terribly for it. Um it. Is, that is this
1: the one scene that Korich and uh, Jill David Moore interact? I think so. He's just like, get out of my way. And that's it. That's their scene. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is where Cypher starts unplugging them from the Matrix. Not Put Joe like Pants in an
1: Avatar sequel.
2: Not like this.
1: Put Joe Pants as an Avatar. <laughs> no. He's in, the, he's
2: in the next one. The, the Way of Italy. Aaron, he's dead. I, in real life. I, I watched Chucky. He can't be in the movie. Joe
3: Paltoliano in the Chucky show?
2: He can't. He can't be in the movies. He's no longer alive. Don't, don't worry about it right now, Scott.
3: So, I haven't watched season two yet. Don't worry about it. Okay, never mind. I'll pretend he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault for not watching it live. He just punched a
1: paralyzed man. That's mm-hmm. not nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, he is the bad guy. What was he gonna do? Aaron, he's not. He's not really paralyzed. We just talked about that. So it was okay. He punched a guy faking like he's paralyzed for movie purposes. So, he deserved it.
3: This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Where, as what much of an asshole... <laughs> as much of an asshole as Giovanni Ribisi... I can never pronounce his name, I apologize. Ribisi? Rubisi is. He actually is talked into trying a last-minute attempt to prevent the genocide. So
2: mm-hmm. The peace was never an option scene. And
3: that to me was such a striking and surprising choice for this character it would have been just, you know, easy to just to say, fuck it, blow them all up now. But the fact yeah. that he's talked into trying to prevent that, even if it's for selfish reasons and, and self-interest, it was for me the most surprising scene in the movie.
1: I will say this, because I don't want to delve too far into things to come and or speculate too far on where things are. I do think in the midst of the environmentalist stuff going on in the film, the colonialism aspects of these films. When it comes to the characters in this movie, specifically the human characters, I think an overriding theme is that people are stubborn, but they're also inherently good. Uh, And I, I do think that's something that's going to reflect in the overarching story of Avatar, but I'm very curious to see where that goes.
3: Quite possibly.
1: Especially given the whole Cameron wants to take her to Earth in part five thing that's going around. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. If he, but I, I, I'm curious what that means for well, the series. He can't.
2: He can because there were no notes on part four, so he should be able to start. Part <laughs> <five>. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. how that's how it works. Yeah. Why wouldn't you brag about having no studio notes on a script? Like why? Why is that? Like oh, this guy sucks. Like.
3: Huh. and i i guess the way i read that is that he wasn't surprised to get notes on two and three because that's part of the process and yeah. it's like holy shit did he give me any notes here awesome
2: you know um, uh, talking about the, the back to like the footprint and stuff um the movie the movie made its money a bit quicker than titanic Went up for a lot of Oscars, did not win the best picture or best director as you know, Titanic did. Um, his divorce settlement made the Hurt Locker um no, up. Okay. Which um deserved but, or not. No, sorry, go ahead. But I'm trying to think, I'm about it, like Titanic. That was one of the biggest phenomenons I've ever lived through in cinema history. But that was a period of what, like six months? Five mm-hmm. that, and and then after it was kind of like all right, well that movie's gonna be with us forever. You know that was about it. Like nobody was, g- nobody talked about Titanic. Well, I didn't have a pop culture footprint being the like, biggest. You know, granted there was no franchise potential there, but like, why is it a thing with Avatar? So what? It made a bunch of money. Make it we can make a. That's why people make other ones. is when they make a bunch of money. Like it's so funny. Like. Do people want that? Well, obviously they'll be interested because even if it makes half or a third of what the previous one did, it's probably pretty successful. Like it's just funny to me because like yeah, Titanic was a phenomenon. It did have that soundtrack, had the, all the Oscars. Um it, you know, it really had a, a you couldn't escape it. Um Avatar was a bit more quiet. Kind of it was just, just racking and money, racking it money, racking and money. But even Titanic disappeared after just a period of like five to six months. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like there's not like Titanic oh. phase three. There's not people are too into what's next right now. We used to a good a good window for a sequel used to be three years. Now it's, and I, oh, I do wonder how to... much of
3: that is the perpetually online making the discourse. Oh yeah, because I would argue that differing quality not, notwithstanding, that Avatar is not unlike the Jurassic films and the Transformers films, where audiences like them and we yeah. show up for them, and we know that because they make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. But the perception is that everybody hates them and nobody likes them because nobody tweets about them and nobody. Right. Makes YouTube videos about fan theories and all that bullshit. Because the people
2: um, who want to talk about them or praise them, they decide, oh, let's unfollow that person, and therefore well, it's an, their
3: you know most people don't engage in Twitter online movie discourse, right? I mean, what is it like? Ninety percent of the tweets come from like ten percent of the users, or something like that.
2: Yeah, and ten percent of those users have multiple accounts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's
3: <laughs> You know the idea that, you know, at the end of the day, money. You know, they, people like them. We know this because they keep showing up. Yeah. Jurassic World Dominion's the only other film other than Top Gun to make a billion dollars this year. Yep.
1: Um, I'll just note in Avatar's things like beyond just the box office, it also is what like the second biggest Blu-ray of all time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's
3: yeah. it's popular and well liked. Maybe not well loved, but it is well liked by every plausible metric. The Rotten Tomato score, the verif- the user score for what that's worth, the IMDb score for what that's worth, Blu-ray sales, DVD sales, box office. I, again, there, there's no reason to assume that most people that saw this picture in 2009, even if they didn't adore it, they thought that was a damn good time at the movies. I'm glad I spent my time and money on that.
1: Here's the Oscar scene for Zaldana, by the way.
3: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, this yeah. Is- um it's a scene my my daughter was watching a um side by side comparison of mm-hmm. sh- shooting the scene and uh the effects post and this was the scene they used for it.
3: And I I remember they released that scene like after the Oscar nominations. It was like where the hell was this 3 months ago.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Speaking of the Oscars, if I might slightly digress, the season was weird because you had Catherine Bigelow, who, of course, is James Cameron's uh, ex-wife,
4: mm-hmm.
3: who had directed a very well-received but somewhat under-the-radar war movie called *The Hurt Locker*, that was a critical darling, and it made next to no money. It was yeah, just it made like under the radar,
2: which is insane. To and be let's think, talk I about mean- that cultural footprint too, because well, that's yeah, exactly. Here when-
1: On the one hand, that's a small studio, so like I get it. But also, it's a fucking cool action movie. Like beyond just being a prestige drama, like it's like this. There's a
3: way where this could have sold and made a ton of money if they had a bigger studio behind it. And but what happened after the nomination process is it got turned into this James Cameron and his. Weak damsel in distress ex wife, and he's trying to steal her Oscar glory and stop her from being the first female to win best director. Right. Yeah. This is after he said several times, like, look, I want to win best picture, but I hope she wins best director. And I don't want to paint him as overly virtuous, whatever, I don't care. But, you know, it basically turned what should have been an unmitigated good thing, which was her winning best director, into this kind of weird save the damsel from the big bully man narrative. Which drove me fucking nuts back then because neither of them needed our pity or our whatever. Yeah. Um I
1: they just real quick on the movie here, because the, the, the scale of this tree is so like you see how big the you see how big like these little helicopters are. Then you look at Korch's ship, which is much bigger than those. This yeah. tree dwarfs the giant ship that Quartz is on. Like, it's insane how big this stuff is. So it's like, so the idea that, like, you know, people could, we could, I don't need to talk, whatever, with the naysayers. The people that are, like, connecting with this movie, you get why, when you have a scene like this where you have, you know, innocent you know, innocent dwellers of this thing being forced out of their home. And the whole fucking thing is blown to pieces. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's the stuff that's keeping people coming back to theaters or like feeling something by the end of this. Cause it's, it's wrenching. <laughs> like it's, 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 yeah. so I mean, it's, it's, it's a great way to build to, an act where you want to see a giant action sequence take place for retribution against this massive tree that they're just bringing down be- for the sake of, you know,
3: uh, d- d- uh, fuel or whatever, unobtanium. <laughs> I mean, it, and it's a pretty obvious 9-11 parable, but it very works much so. in the context of the story. Yes. And it, it's a unlike very a certain other religion. sci-fi sequel that came out several years later, it didn't do two 9-11s concurrently with none of the emotional impact. That would be The Force Awakens. Sorry. That still annoys me.
1: See, the fact that I can't think of what you're referring to until I yeah, yeah. say the movie. <laughs> it's it's why it's both neither here nor there, but also, yeah, I get it, I guess. Like, yeah. It's just
4: because,
1: it, it, yes, it does have what Domo Gleason gives a big speech and then they fire they on a planet a where we've never galaxy. seen or know what it right, is. It's like, and- let, you know, yeah, there, they blow no- up a shit ton of planets
3: that we've never been to before. There's, there's not <laughs> but nearly then, as much impact as the Alderaan scene in the first yeah. movie. Which, and concurrently, the Empire sh- or whatever the hell they are, the First Order shows up and just nukes the place that they're all in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which would have been enough. <laughs> I mean, because those are the characters that we know and you know, we don't want them to get their asses kicked. Um, I well, I I remember, as,
1: far as, as far as the Oscars go, I remember when they're doing best director, right? Because it, I think it was it was Barbara Streisand that came out to yep. announce it. I'd have been and,
3: fucking hysterical if she announced Quentin Tarantino.
1: But the way she did it, she was like, uh oh, yeah, we're going to announce the best director here, and who could be the winner? It Could be the first woman, the first black man, because Lee Daniels was." Uh, and the way she said, it. And, and and that was, and then it was end of
3: sentence. It's like yeah, there's another there three jerk offs over here. I guess like that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was the competition that year. I mean, you know, it's it's. In the same way that it was very obvious who was winning when they brought out uh, uh, Lucas Zilberg. Coppola and, and oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Spielberg. Yeah. That being said, again, I deserved or not, it would have been very, very funny to bring Barbara Streisand up there and, oh, shit, Quentin Tarantino.
2: We had uh, that moment recently. We with did. The, and it was uh, hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny
4: oh.
3: because all due respect to all parties, they got what they deserved from trying to pull that crap.
2: Yep. And yeah, Hopkins got that Oscar. <laughs> I
1: was
3: just thinking about that earlier today actually. Yeah, <laughs> just how the, the, That the, to me is the biggest, because even the wrong, you know, the envelope, that was a human error. That was a genuine fuck up. But this was a planned and calculated emotional manipulation stunt that mm-hmm. totally backfired. I just, I keep thinking that they kept thinking they they like they were
1: they were convinced Chadwick Boseman was going to win, and that like right on the other side of some door was like a huge like parade full of balloons and stuff. And they like <laughs> cut <"Cop>
4: the, <laughs> <"Cop> the balloons, <laughs> cut <"Cop> the
1: balloons. <laughs> 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 you going to say Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> and, then, and then it was more and then it was more because there's no host. So Joaquin Phoenix is standing up. Or no, what's what's name? Yeah, yeah. Um, who is there?
3: It was no host, it, and, it was and Hopkins didn't show up. Yeah, because he was like, it was like he was at home and it was he was sleeping. That's right. Yeah, yeah it
1: was the, it was for some reason it was actor presents actor that year for whatever. So yeah, it was yeah. Joaquin Phoenix of all people, someone that's yeah. you know not known for being an MC of the Oscars, <laughs> <laughs> being like, yeah. and we're done. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> He's not here. <laughs> uh, but at least you knew it wasn't rigged. So there you go. <laughs>
2: Do you remember that Oscars where they, they put it all together just to give Anthony Hopkins his, like, second Oscar? Like, they were really <laughs> excited. They are like, this is what the people need to see. Oh, What's wild t- is how
1: little fanfare The Sun has gotten, which stars Hopkins, on I, I hear it's not very good, but it's yeah. like, you've got the director of the guy that just got Hopkins' second Oscar, and there's, like, no buzz about this thing whatsoever. Yet Hugh Jackman's getting, like, awards praise and, like, Okay, I I don't know what the movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know what the movie's about because the trailer was like a minute and it's very vague.
2: So it's the guy who did the father. <laughs> the guy that the father did and the and he son. does the son. Is the next one the Holy Spirit? Is that what yes? It?
1: That's that's a joke that's as good as the Ferngully thing. Ran okay. good job on that there one. There you go. Okay.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: No one said that one. That tree just fell down. <laughs> it's really big. It's now
2: reverted Infer? forever.
1: So there you go. I think you just grow another one, right? <laughs> yeah. See, when you get CCH Pounder yeah. Pounder upset like this, that's mm-hmm.
2: no one's happy. I need that Pounder energy from you, CCH.
3: They're watching this in widescreen.
2: This is why the, can't I this watch is the Avatar beta for the volume? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, recor- they're recording for the volume, actually. So. 360 encompassing. Court
1: is such a dick about it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's holding his coffee in one hand. <laughs> that was a trailer. Not that exact shot, but there was a trailer shot where he's just sipping his coffee where everything's blowing up.
2: Well, you know, I want to be home for dinner tonight.
1: There's a good shot, too, of what, with like Horner score playing and you got like the horse thing on fire where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. OK.
3: And again, you know, to state the obvious... Beyond all these special effects and visuals and all that jazz, this is a very very well shot and choreographed picture.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, he doesn't remotely rest on the visuals. Yeah, I know. one hundred
2: percent. It's not just like how many people can we fit in a shot? Look at all these blue people that it, it they are interesting angles, movements. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, the uh, the movie won three Oscars, it won for art direction, cinematography, and visual effects. Those should all seem obvious, but they—that's what happened. <laughs> but uh, specifically, Mauro Fiore was the cinematographer on here. He was brought on because of what Cameron saw him do with Anton was Tears of the Sun, because oh. he shot that. There is a, a lot of lush jungles in that movie. A movie I don't think is particularly great, but it is a very um, good-looking movie, as I recall. Like it really uses the environment well. Um, that, that, it, the Bruce it's
2: Willis I, and Monica Bellucci one, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Because um, there is also Hartsworth. There is a. Bruce with Lewis colin, farrell, colin the, farrell
1: the irish equivalent to monica Belushi. that was gregory
3: hoblet right
1: mm. hearts war i believe to keep our, our fallen theme going yes yeah, there you <laughs> go um i'll look that up to be sure but yeah he he probably he brought on Fioro because of his photography and tears of the sun and i get it i get why that for, I, I haven't seen that movie since i saw it in theaters in 2003
2: does that one come but... <laughs> after tears of the father
1: <laughs> but I, I, but I do remember the imagery quite well because there's some really cool shots of like Willis and his crew like in the jungles or like coming out of water and stuff. And it's like, but yeah, Cameron knew what he saw, and he, he got this guy an Oscar for it. So there you go. Mm-hmm.
3: In the extent that it really doesn't matter. I was always a little confused how much the Navi understand about this whole, these people are humans in vessels that make them look like Navi-type things.
1: Well, the extended edition goes into that a little bit because we get more of what Sigourney Weaver's school was, right? So yes, we, I remember so, that. Which I do think helps as far as – it gives more context to this stuff because, yes, the movie in this version – there's not really and there's not really much given to have us get why the Navi, for one thing, no English really that, as well as they do, but also yeah, get the idea that people this indigenous that have no technology on the scale of what has been done to bring you know people to this planet. It is it's a weird concept to be like so they're not us but they have our bodies <laughs> like that's right a, that's a that's a that's a concept that doesn't just like emerge. Although even explains like, you know, it's got a demon body or whatever. It's like I could see them tying it to into their religion in some way. But yeah, I do think the extended version by having more of more of an understanding of what Sigourney Weaver went through and how much time has been spent on Pandora. I think that just that better justifies like why they're so familiar with the stuff that were are that they're they've, they're now at this point used to. We haven't talked about Michelle Rodriguez at all, who's in this movie no. as well, but um it's the standard thing. He saw James Cameron, saw her in girl fight. And it's like, I want her in my movie. <laughs> like it's that, uh, you know, James Cameron brings on a lot of, you know, tough women into his films. Not a hard reach to think. Yeah. He'll get Michelle Rodriguez in here.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: yeah, she gave away that her character died before the movie even came out. You yeah. know, sort of a casual, like, yeah, I'm in this movie. It's avatar. I show up, I shoot a couple things and I get killed. I'm like, okay.
1: I like this breakout scene as far as action stuff goes. Like it's pretty simple, but yeah. I, I like this bit where like Horridge like grabs his gun, <laughs> takes a bunch of shots without breathing, and then they put give him his mask. <laughs> hearts war is Greg Greg Halpert, By the way. He had a whole run there. Fallen Frequency Hearts War.
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> so uh... primal primal fear, fallen frequency hearts. Oh yeah. Uh, and I like the one he did with Brian Gosling and fracture. Anthony yes, thank you. I I, I don't like that movie, but I mm. I saw it. <laughs> Bear. I mean, I, I saw it once. I thought that was nice. Whatever. I like um, the first
1: like ten minutes. There's a part where like Gosling is he's coming from like a party or something, and he gets into the courtroom, and he's wearing like a tux, and uh, Xander Burke, James Cameron... T two star Xander Berkeley's the
3: judge, <laughs> and he calls right? him James Bond, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> um. And what was the name of the Diane Lane? Untraceable. Inter- which I did not enjoy oh, at that's all. That's a terrible movie. <laughs> that was a nasty, nasty film. It's a, was it's a really far. mean. Yeah, it's yeah. really mean. <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking this is much worse. This is what people think the Saw films are. Yeah, mm. that that was the entire purpose of that movie. It yeah. Or you know, hostile
1: or whatever that quote unquote torture. Yeah, board. torture port. Yeah, it's, the, it's a perfect example of that. Not an wow. example of that is Teristas, which is like fine. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: <laughs> but it, it came out within that range. That's how they advertise. There's right here where he's like shooting his gun. holding He's like holding his breath. Yeah. <laughs> and it's his little gun, too. That's what's getting me. He just
4: he does not give up.
1: Yeah. And even the way he like breathes is like menacing. Because <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't like yeah. open his mouth to gas for air. He just opens, he just like grits his teeth.
3: But he got her. (laughs) All those shots,
1: he still got her.
3: He killed the old lady doctor. Rock on. Tree hugger, I'll get you.
1: He he punched (laughs) a disabled man. He shot Sigourney Weaver. He blew up a a whole tree. What can't this guy do? At this rate, he's
3: going to get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think he's on Pandora?
1: Yeah, the stuff he was doing on Earth. I mean, let's just say there's a reason there's not Maniac Cop Four. It was too too rough.
2: I mean, look at this. This little simple, like we're transporting stuff in the middle of the night. Like it looks gorgeous because of all the the lighting. So, and this could in any other director's hands, is just a boring get from place A to place B. I know this is no Russo brothers visionary stuff here, but I like it.
3: I will say, and I get that's a necessary evil because you want to establish the body transfer stuff beforehand. But I do believe this part feels almost added and unnecessary. What they're trying and, to do with First Born, we yeah, because it's it's sort of like a, a break between the tr- you know the the film's rock bottom emotional moments and. The action climax.
2: It needs to give you some suspense for when it happens to Jake Sully. So he's showing you. Well, yeah, you that need to. Do yeah, take, you know but
3: Narratively, you need to establish that this can, you know, that you can do a transfer. Do yeah. yeah. So it's not, you know, but it's a trope. I mean, it, which know, is it's a, a way you, of you saying should, I'm going to use should, the bathroom really quick. I'll be right back.
1: It's a trope. You you show yeah. the version that doesn't
3: work before you show the version that mm-hmm. does. <laughs> it's funny. I remember after the film came out, I was like, oh, you know, she's smoking. That makes her a bad role model. It's like. You know, she, she died because her lungs sucked. That's why the transfer didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. Um, anyway, I do have to use the facilities, so I'll be right back. Okay.
2: There's another yeah. Amazing tree thing.
1: Yeah, I mean the movie I mean, we already talked about how the movie uses this kind of like literal connection. Like yeah. I do think it's fascinating to find out more ways in which it applies, right? Where it's like, Okay, we're like a person, you know, someone's their life is going to be gone. What can we do mm. here? It's like, well, we can try to <laughs> insert, insert their consciousness into the planet. Like, right? Okay. Yeah. Like that's I haven't seen that
4: before. At this no.
2: Like, <laughs> but it's it, and uh, you're this far into it, and you understand that, and, and it feels possible.
4: Yeah,
1: that that's the other thing. You're you're you believe in this. You want it to work because you you'll you will believe you a man like can, can, can
2: fly, and you will believe a person can transplant transplant. Uh, yeah. himself, there, I love it with him in the ad, like this that's this a great look, so yeah. cool looking, yeah
1: because at this point, you're just fully invested
2: in this Navi being a thing, yeah,
1: <laughs> so it's like, oh, he's got dirty,
2: yeah, just him wandering through this ashes and stuff is, oh, this is so awesome. And yeah,
1: it looks devastating just seeing like the, the yeah. like, remains of this giant tree and everything.
2: That's well, horrific because it was the most fun place there. A lot of important stuff happened there. Like and it's just yeah. You feel it. And it does well
1: by having, you know, the fact that they're blue skinned aliens, like it plays well into a scene like this where you can, yeah. you see where the, the difference is here and the contrast and how that works thematically as well. Mm-hmm. But his dragon survives. He's got that going for him.
2: It's true. He's gonna get a better one though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for now, that. yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those temporary dragons. <laughs> it's, it's, you can't just keep riding that dragon,
2: right? It's like, the dragon's like, I thought we were a thing. He's like, no, man. I
1: was it's just riding you to get to this one. Yeah. I do wonder. So, like, he. <laughs> He's on his dragon and he's looking mm-hmm. for like the biggest, baddest dragon. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, what was the process of him finding this thing? <laughs> like, what, how, did, how did he come across it?
4: Yeah, like, just
1: flying around, like, we got to find the big
2: one. Where is he? Yeah. All right, keep going higher, fly higher. Is that nope? It's time. Yeah, And the, the the Na'vi, they have like, they have a language and they have a, they have themselves a religion to go along with their culture that just feels thought out, lived in, and if you ask James Cameron, he'd know right easily that second what the answer would be.
1: Well, once again, I mean, that's why the, I mean, we yeah. kind of scratched on this, but mm-hmm. yeah, like nine the 90s is when he started developing like the idea for this world and this story, mm-hmm. right? He wrote like a big treatment right, wanted to make this movie. Had to wait because the technology just wasn't good enough. It's like I, I, yeah. I know what I want to do, and I can't physically do this right now. He sees Gollum, right? Right, he's like, yeah. Weta, he's like, "Weta's got it. Weta's know, Weta knows what they're doing. You just need time. Let me, yeah, let me develop technology of Weta. While he's doing that, he recruits like linguists and scholars to develop like the mm-hmm. language for this film. The language is a big part of it. That starts in like 2005. So he's like doing that and like developing more of the story at the same time he's getting Weta to be like, let's, you know, put, let's make a world together. <laughs> it's, it's all this stuff but, going
2: on. But, the the story's simple. Like, <laughs> well, it
3: is simple. It's primal. What's wrong That's, with that?
4: What is wrong it's with that? Or,
3: you know, you, you have a simple, primal, relatable story. So that audiences can focus on the characters and the visuals and the spectacle and all that.
2: Star Wars simple. was simple. Why is exactly? It's Absolutely. Like,
3: what and it? the Matrix uh, is basically Star Wars. I mean, it's even more of a hero's journey it's than hero's Star Wars. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Matrix I mean, is it just it more complex in its
2: details. That's it.
3: Yeah, exactly. A simple story in a complex world. Yeah, and that's what this is. Strong, you know, foundation. you can do. Indiana Jones. You generally, can pretty do simple. one or the other, but you can't do both. Yeah, and I'm sure there are exceptions to
2: that rule. But it's, yeah, well, it's there's
3: it's of
1: exceptions, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, um, it's just being good at making movies. Is what yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Like, I feel like, and I've I've said this aired playtime. Like, I feel like craft and technical wizardry and stuff with movies is like not held up as high or appreciated as much as it should be. Um, because you know, in the digital era, like anything's possible now, but like doing it well should still be a factor. Like that still yeah. should put your star rate. Like if you do something groundbreaking, like with the Avatar stuff, and you're say you're on a five point rating scale, it should automatically be held at like a two point five, and it can only move up from there, like or something like that, because you that counts. Can be for my so wingman much.
3: anytime, Jake Sully.
2: Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, there you go. But I, I think like, I don't think like, there's so much more to a movie that just, we always like story and uh, acting. That's all we can focus on here. Um, and if we liked it a lot, we'll say directing, but we don't even know, really know what the director's giving uh, with a lot of people. But like, I think something like Avatar, just for what it, the amazing stuff that it's done, it, it, that has to weigh heavy on it as well. Even if, like, say this story was like, but I would still give the visual experience a lot of credit. I I wouldn't say it's a terrible film because, man, uh, the visuals were groundbreaking. They did a lot of things you'd never seen before, they did them very well. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. Like, if Uwe Boll delivered a movie, but damn, it was something, a visual feast, uh, yeah, I would, Still have to give him credit for that.
3: Well, I mean, to use an obvious example, I mean, and I don't even remember their names offhand. Those two guys that did all those lousy satires in the twenty, in the two thousands, Friedberg and Seltzer. Or whatever. Yeah, of those, I mean, vampires suck is almost okay. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. For whatever you're not, reason, you're, you're, it's... you're not going to get me to say much about these movies. No, <laughs> no
3: and that's that's all I'm gonna.
2: Well, like the... I seen like the some of the dismissive stuff about the new Avatar. Is like, well, visually, it's it's pretty awesome, the action, but the story, one out of five. Like, no, 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 no. no sorry, like, no, I don't know. I haven't and seen I, the movie, uh, but it's just like, I don't know. It, it is it,
3: unfortunate that visuals of a certain cinematic level are no longer taken for granted. We can we can no longer take it for granted. Yeah.
1: Um I mean we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, I mean we're talking a day before this movie comes out as far as what the world's going to respond with as opposed mm-hmm. to the handful of people on Twitter that have seen it.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, well, that's all I can go off of right now, but um
1: there's not much wrong visually with this first Avatar movie. I will say this stuff with you know the humans in the tr- with the trees, not the best. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, it it stretches it a little bit too far. I, he rectifies that in the sequel <laughs> as far as the human interactions with Navi goes, but I think this stuff is like yeah, that, this, that wouldn't be a scene I'd highlight uh, from a visual perspective. I like this though, when it doesn't work and it all fades to black like that, that's a that's sad. That's a, it's effectively sad. <laughs>
3: Wah, wah.
1: yeah that's what James Horner <laughs> put on there and that's why they fought again
3: <laughs> I'm sorry to
1: be a second <laughs> <laughs> his camera fights with people sometimes <laughs> and uh, 20s fought with of quite a few uh, he wasn't I, I believe he wasn't too thrilled with the aliens score if I'm not mistaken um, every trailer I mean, editor in the universe was yeah but he wasn't and that's why he didn't work with him on T2 or True Lies but huh. then he, but then he heard his, I believe his Braveheart score, and that's what brought him back for Titanic. That <laughs> like, makes sense. I think he really liked his Braveheart score. I think that's what it was. <laughs> He's
3: like, fine, come out and like, back. games. fine. I'll make a greatest hits album of all my themes, and I'll win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so not necessarily it. a criticism because that score is awesome in the movie. So yeah, but so he, so he got him they, back for that.
1: <laughs> It's
3: funny because I, I listened to the, I bought the Titanic CD before they actually released that like a month before the movie came out because Cameron wanted to be like a because Cameron <laughs> wanted to be like a Broadway. <laughs> Production. Yeah, because it's because it rules. It's an amazing score. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's the that's and a big that's a big part of the relevancy of Titanic. Yeah. The fact that the music is incredibly
3: iconic. Yeah. But you know, listening to it out of context, I liked it. It was very good. It's it, was good like, music. Yes. it's it felt like again, it felt like you know, a James Horner greatest hits album to a certain extent. You had certain tracks that sounded like The Rocketeer, certain tracks that sound like Apollo 13, bits of Braveheart, a little bit of aliens. And then of course, when I saw the movie, it's like, holy shit. Even though I already know this music, it is kicking my ass. Mm-hmm.
1: Here, it's fine. Like I don't think it's a bad yeah. story. by any means. It's not. James Horner's done a lot of really good scores. This is the one where I'd rank it super high among his many themes that he's made. It's almost years. invisible music, especially for him. Um. In a way, I mean, I do. There's theme. There's a lot of stings um yeah to, like highlight moments especially with like quaritch where it's like Da-na-na! like it just has this kind of like almost like old school war movie type of feel to it mixed with like obviously like the tribal stuff and what have you but yeah it is it feels it's like appropriate seasoning like it makes sense given oh, yeah. the context of this movie but yes it's not i mean, know if that's it like when the when the trailers for the second one started coming out and there were Riffing off of the theme, because obviously Cape Warner passed away. When they're riffing off of the theme, it's like, okay, that sounds recognizable. It has that going for it. Like it feels like it fits. Uh, I really yeah. like the music they used for the first teaser. I do too. Because I, I, uh, I, it 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 made me feel like I was being reminded of Pandora, a yes, movie where like, the
3: music, like the music, uh, is not
1: something that I'd associate with Pandora. And yet that trailer got me in a zone where I'm like, this reminds me of this movie.
3: It, it almost felt like a warm, welcoming welcome home.
1: Yeah. Which is impressive for a movie like yeah. this that doesn't really like the score. You know, it's no Titanic. <laughs> no, no. Even it's, the it's... theme, what's the theme? Is it like what Carrie Underwood is on in the theme? for Like the song at the end of the credits? Uh... Thing?
3: I will take your word on that.
1: I believe that's right. No.
3: Leona Lewis. All right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They can't all be. My heart will go on mm. as much as they tried it for a couple of years. <laughs> I'll be curious if this song by the weekend takes off because I like
1: this song and the new one. Yeah. I also just, I like the weekend. So, you know, it works I like it more than Adam Sandler. Generally worth waiting for. <laughs>
4: Here's
1: another teaser for the way of water right here. <laughs> I do like the way it is hinting at stuff. Like, there's a whole world beyond Pandora, guys. Like, check this out. It's like, you're gonna, mm-hmm. we'll get back to this another time. But here's some other tribes that exist in this world.
2: Yeah, I like I like that he, he thinks, I mean, to have, like, it's not just Navi. There's there's Navi, but the Navi have community. They have... Because yes. mm-hmm. another director could be just, just Navi.
1: It's like, isn't there a whole planet? <laughs> like, well, yeah, but, you know... Also, that that big speech that he gives where, yes, he asks permission first before he can talk. I really like the way, you know, because you're at such a low point. Like you mentioned, Scott, it's the whole like, you know, everything's bad right now. And I do think it it works in being rousing the way it's supposed to. And then and the, the coupling that with having Laz Alonso's character, like translating what he's saying and like yeah. getting everybody excited. <laughs> I think that is good stuff. Like that's just good, like beat stuff for the story.
3: And then his speech is pretty rousing, too.
1: Yeah. I was
3: about ready to grab a gun and kill some Navi.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is there like no other land where unobtainium is available to? Like it's just this part of Pandora. Mm -hmm.
2: It's like the spice of Dune.
3: (laughs) And they just like get
2: some vibranium.
3: Apparently that's, that's everywhere now.
1: That's a daily. <laughs> it's only in two places, Scott. That we know
3: of. <laughs> it was in one place. Now it's in two places. I'm pretty that's sure in every it. Black Panther movie they're gonna find Vibranium somewhere else.
1: <laughs> I got DD Brow is just like hanging out in the lab still, like and what everybody's mean? like, Yeah, this guy's probably cool. <laughs> <laughs> We should suspect him of giving any
3: notes. Anyway. To, to state the somewhat. He will obvious, be allowed to stay. This film was very much, you know, a metaphor for the post 9 11 American foreign policy in a way that obviously resonated overseas. And yeah, the film kind of plays it safe. by having them be independent contractors. But for most people, they were hooting and hollering at indigenous blue people killing the shit out of U.S. Marines, and to a certain extent, this was a weirdly appropriate end to the George W. Bush era, even though this was, of course, also Obama's first year in office.
2: There was crossover. Um, there
3: was crossover.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. No, no, there was no. It was his first year. That's right. <laughs> sorry, i um, like two. Th- it opened in no, 2009, no, okay. went into 2010. I was thinking the opposite yeah. way. So sorry.
3: Um, and. This was also, you know, it had been long enough, I guess, where you really started seeing movies that were big, fantastical blockbusters. That, to be fair, take a while to make, dealing with, you know, reckoning with the the post, you know, the 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 national sins of our reaction to nine eleven. Obviously, the Dark Knight. Uh, I would argue the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, where the British so overreact to the menace of piracy that they become the bad guys themselves. Um, well, the pirates then, are
1: just a bunch of free will and lovable scamps <laughs> that go around, uh, taking wine and, and taking names or whatever. So, yeah, uh, um, Tom Hollander
3: is bad guy, he wants, and to even you know, how to train trains. your dragon was sort of you know, it was you know, these two seemingly disparate enemies that realize that they don't actually have to kill each other if they don't want. Although, of course, the film does kind of have an hour where they team up to kill God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>.
1: <laughs> oh. well scott we've come
3: this far without talking about the box office at all <laughs> a lot <laughs> movie, of money how did this movie open it made 77 million dollars in its opening weekend domestically that's still a record for a live action only original picture and against um, uh what a sherlock right uh, Sherlock was the second weekend that opened to sixty-two million dollars. Oh, while so that was like Avatar dropped a whopping two percent for a $75 million-dollar second weekend. <laughs> that's when I realized it was crazy. <laughs> was I realized it was crazy because, again, to be fair, I was following these numbers, so sort of by the first Monday and Tuesday, as I was running the numbers and realizing that it was pulling bigger weekday grosses than anything other than like The Dark Knight and you know maybe one or two other huge mega super duper summer movies i was like oh fuck this is happening again <laughs> he, he he's gonna do it again holy shit yeah i um, mean
2: K- Cameron may not be the king of the opening weekend but man people stay and they'll they'll go see they'll go see his movie well, any day
3: of the uh, week other than the star wars movies which are sort of an anomaly that's what you tr- you trade a bigger opening weekend for longer legs when you open in christmas right
2: um, where any day could be a Saturday over the yeah, holiday. Exactly. Break. There's like a
3: two week space where, yeah, exactly. And that's you know even something like King Kong, which was a quote unquote disappointment when it only opened to like 66 million over five days, it legged out to 210 and 550 worldwide. Um what I
1: love about Avatar is there's a whole Wikipedia page devoted to all of the records Avatar broke at the box.
3: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a <mini> long, <laughs> it's a long <laughs> it's it's page. It's a long ass page. It's a huge page. <laughs> I was there. Um and yeah, it eventually topped out at 749, not counting any re-releases. Um domestic, which was the biggest grossing domestic earner of all time, not accounted for inflation. It made 2.7 billion dollars worldwide. Um Again, not counting any re-releases, which was—I mean, it was nine hundred million dollars more than Titanic, which had done one point eight billion dollars at that point.
1: Now there were doubters, obviously, as there usually is, right? There were doubters no. of how big this thing would be.
3: Yeah, because I mean, it's 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 it's. I remember doing it a radio interview over Thanksgiving weekend, and the people I was talking to—I think it was the BBC—they didn't even know what the hell Avatar was. They'd never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And there were like people on the street talk show things where they'd ask people what they thought of Avatar, and they had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Um, there was a real plausible fear that it would get comparatively steamrolled by Sherlock Holmes. And for the record, Sherlock Holmes was also a big hit, so it wasn't yeah, it like there's some losers here. Yeah, yeah it everybody wants and the won. and the
1: squeakquel. the Squeakle, yeah, the sequel mm-hmm. kicked ass.
3: The only thing that lost was Princess of the Frog.
1: Um they released it too late.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um. Exactly. They were they all the hype and all the interest and all the media attention was over Thanksgiving weekend when it was opening like two screens. They wanted that old old school, you know, limited El Capitan release. And by the time it went wide in mid-December, everybody was talking about Avatar because it had just had its first critic screening that Thursday, and everyone was like, Holy fuck, he did it. And then that Monday was the IMAX press screening. That's where I saw it. And then, you know, the rest is history. Um uh it was re-released in August of 2010, where it brought its domestic total up to 760. Um, and then its overseas total by, you know, X number of dollars. I don't know if you, it was still two 2.7, 2.8, give or take.
1: Um Oh, the blind and side then, is cleaning up also at that point too yeah, yeah. the blind t- <laughs>
3: 2009 <laughs> was, it was such a crazy a, year yeah. like, the last few months of 2 i could do a whole book on just the last 4 months of 2009 because you had paranormal activity just making 7 million dollars in 200 screens in mm-hmm. part of its platform release and eventually you know the, that season sort of climaxed with halloween where it kicksaw saw six, sixes ass all over the place and sort of you know the king is dead long live the new king and the next week you had a Michael Jackson biopic documentary concert thing that opened a 30 million dollars domestic a hundred worldwide. I mean, that's unthinkable today in any number of ways. Um this stuff is all cool by the way. We're watching this. Oh, big yeah, finale.
0: this you know, is like yeah, dragons
1: flying from the air attacking spaceships and, and horses on the it's, ground it's, go mobilizing. Like this is great. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Lord of the Rings level spectacle. I mean, that is a compliment. Yeah. This is the kind of thing where where are we now? We are two hours and fourteen minutes in. So there's still a half hour of this movie left, yeah. and we're getting to this giant action sequence that you've built up to after all this, you know, epicness, all this scope that we've been seeing and learning about the land or whatnot. Now we're getting just pure Cameron James. James Cameron does action, and he's yeah. pretty
3: good at that. <laughs>
2: lots of arrows. lots of so flying arrows. Told.
3: Boom that's everybody's favorite move they grab by they grab it by the tail and they throw it into a cliff grab that it's either that or slamming an arrow into a cock yes exactly (laughs) which is always cool slight spoiler for the sequel they do that a lot (laughs) that's like you know Scarlett Johansson always does You know, only has the one move as Black Widow where she like grabs their neck with her thighs or whatever and does a triple flip or whatever um Even and it on this <laughs> like a lot of great action sequences of this scale is in, is itself a three act journey yeah you have the initial attack which is kind of mixed on both sides and then you have they're getting their asses kicked in the middle and then the animals show up and save the day Actually, no, I apologize. They're getting their asses kicked by the end of the first act. The animals save the day in the second act. And then the third act, it just uh, gets rich versus the two mano of them. They get, the, they, get on, mano. they get on the ground, exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, no, it's <laughs> again, this is exactly Cameron just being amazing at this, where I look at something <laughs> like like Michael Bay is such a weird thing to me, where it's like sometimes he fucking crushes it, it's great, yeah. and other times it's like he just loses the thread completely. There's just no understanding of, like, my the big example is, is Transformers 3, right? Where, like, Optimus Prime gets, like, stuck in wires for half an hour. Yeah. Every scene feels like it could be played at random and fit where it is. That it's, should it's be a,
3: one of the greatest action scenes of the 21st century, but it's not hmm. <laughs> for exactly the reasons you described. Because there's no
1: narrative consistency to it. Yeah. It's just, like, I, it's just a number of greatest hits piled together.
3: It's funny because, you know, the next year Josh Whedon was like, what if we did that, but it
2: was good? Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Rodriguez got herself some paint and her helicopter to Mark to be like, don't hurt this one, Navi. <laughs> Friendly.
1: That's the best thing she can do. She's wearing war paint, so... Yeah. <laughs>
3: By the way, random outside whatever, you know, the floating mountains, that was actually something that I had also seen in a film recently. It was a cartoon that came out in 2008, I think from France, called uh, starring Forrest Whitaker, called Dragon Hunters. Hmm. It's a period piece, and I honestly can't tell you much about the plot, but I remember it being incredibly moving and melancholy. And visually, it was very, very impressive in terms of, and I remember the floating mountains, that was sort of a, a set piece that stood out to me. So if you're ever really bored and you can track it down easily, I do recommend it. <laughs> okay. Um, and for that battle, Battle for Terra is pretty good. I don't know if you've ever actually seen that one. I know it exists.
1: Uh, yeah, I that's basically... <laughs> I know it's uh, been noted as being similar to
2: this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Boom, yeah, those explosions. It's the horse It's just yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> The horse, the horse, the
1: horse is on fire. This is like, on the one hand, this is really cool watching Lazalazo like beat mm-hmm. the hell out of some marines on this thing. Like it's really crazy. <laughs> uh not not crazy about the yeah, like, how much they want to make him resemble a Native American by having all the like all the, the vestige on him and what have you.
3: Yeah.
1: And then he gets taken out like a punk right here. <laughs> it's like, okay. But geez. it's such a great death scene. <laughs> it is, but it's like, man. Like, this guy's supposed to be, he's like the best, outside of Jake's Lily, and Deteri, the best warrior they have. Like, this guy gets lucky. <laughs> I guess so, right? He just, like, yeah. pops out of the corner and takes some shots. And then, like, Michelle Rodriguez dies right here. And Joel David Moore's avatar body dies jdm yeah but then then it's pretty cool because he just gets right back up and gets out there again it's like oh good for
3: him (laughs) he's he's not done and that's actually the one change i not change the addition i don't like in the extended cuts i get it in terms of him being the one to put him down on the ground so to speak you know Good. Uh, you're, you're speaking to like
1: Jake Sully has a
3: scene with Laz Alonzo's character. Yeah, you know, he stabs him in a ritualistic way. I get it, but I think his death as it exists, where him just fl- you know falling to his death outside out of the Heller carrier, is just so incredibly engrossing that it's mm-hmm. I I prefer it just be that. That he just plummets out of the sky into you know darkness or whatever. Yeah, the the
1: hopelessness seems more clear here right now as opposed to having like extended dialogue. Yeah, be like, ah, you're you're gonna do it, man. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I tried. (laughs) I like that ticking bomb, by the way. As far as that kind of plot device, it's like there's a giant thing they're gonna unload Mm okay so second weekend this movie yeah drops nothing yeah <laughs>
3: and, and then it keeps going right and then oh this- yeah it keeps it does i think like 68 million in its third weekend which is you know. and again while this is happening sherlock's kicking ass alvin two's kicking ass uh, you know, it's complicated. It's crossing 100 million eventually. Back when adults actually went to the movies to see adult movies, it's
1: complicated. That's well, wow. that's a Nancy Myers movie. Yep,
3: not one of the best. No, <laughs> but I do. There's one bit that always stood out to me where, he, where Alec Baldwin talks about how so many couples who's you know who go through marital difficulties because of the challenges of having kids, if they just hold off until their kids are grown, they'd be fine. Um, I don't think what else was out? This, Princess and the Frog. Invictus is out.
1: Oh, right, right. That one did was not a super the, smash. The, mm. the the second best movie about apartheid that year. <laughs> what was uh, uh, the Oh yeah, district, district, district nine. Of course. Yeah. But but so the one but the one thing right there. The, yeah, it is when he gets crushed in the face. That's mm-hmm. great. The the one thing Invictus had though that District Nine didn't was a memorable performance worthy of an Oscar nomination. Because if or there's Matt one Damon. thing that Invictus had, it's not mo- not just Morgan Freeman as Nelson Mandela, but that guy that Matt Damon played. His, <laughs> him, that guy. He well, did, what does he
3: Matt Damon do except let other people take the spotlight? That guy, I mean,
1: man. That's know? what I
3: find most interesting about Damon is how often he's willing to take a back seat and let the co-star get all the glory. That's great when a dragon bites a yeah. guy, the thing. Uh, uh, yeah. on, on On the one hand, you have like, you
1: have District 9, where you're getting this guy plucked out of obscurity, giving a performance. It's pretty damn good. And then you have Matt Damon playing rugby guy. Did he get an Oscar nomination
3: for that? Yes, he did, Scott. Oh, I thought we were just being dicks. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh. They, the Oscars oh. were I retract games, the so they nice things I was saying about him. I mean, it's true, but generally speaking, like, like you know, when he fine, wants to party like, DiCaprio was oh my god, he's amazing.
2: Uh, oh. Francois P- Piener. Yeah, that of course. That was his name. That, that memorable character Matt
1: Damon played with what I assume is a very convincing South African accent. No one ever complains about those.
4: Um, <laughs> like, just, just the best.
3: Up in the Air is out that time. That, I think, was one of the biggest grossing movies never cracked the top five. That
1: adds up. And right here oh. is pretty cool where Jake Sully's like taking on this whole thing and he like throws out two grenades at once. Like, yeah, giving he tries the, it again and it doesn't work the second doesn't time. Doesn't work, but he gives it the finger the first time, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right here.
4: <laughs> he does it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, nine, of course. The oh. other that memorable musical. That oh, my really God. They're like, what's what's a what's a good way to tarnish Daniel Day Lewis's reputation? Well, if you, if <laughs> you pair, him with, if you pair
3: him, him with Rob Marshall, I mean, that might help. <laughs> God, Rob Marshall. Um, that w- that wouldn't amuse me because you know it comes out, it's terrible. The reviews are bad. Nobody shows up, and then you have articles in the trade saying, "Will bad reviews and poor box office hurt Nine's Oscar chances?" It's like, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And if not, what the hell is going on here?
1: Rounding out this time, of course, did you hear about the Morgans?
3: That opened against Avatar. Did mm-hmm. you hear about them? Nope. And <laughs> nobody else did either. But
1: uh-huh. did you? I heard about him, yeah. Okay. That's that period where every every two years Hugh Grant would just pop up with another movie star and be like, hey, we're trying this again. <laughs> and yeah, he'd we'll make money. <laughs> music and lyrics oh. It's when he's on his own where he does well about a boy <laughs> he just <leaves laughs> his own devices and he's fine
3: Oh it still worked
1: Okay, good. This- here's another another good quartz scene right here where it's like my shoulder's on fire. I don't care. I'm getting in my back. <laughs> this is his Rasputin cosplay scene right like, here. Yeah, like he leaves it on fire. <laughs> he's like, okay, let me put this out. <laughs> Minor inconvenience. <Yes. laughs> and here's the here's the follow up to the leaf thing, right where he's falling down. He's like, now I do catch the leaves and I know it'll walk it off. It took like two hours, but there's a payoff to him landing on the ground. <laughs> I do like all that work that goes into getting into this mech so he can get out of time. <laughs> and I like this where the whole thing blows up. And I have to assume this did not not feel painful when he lands like that on the ground. <laughs> it would
2: have been great if he landed and still had that coffee mug in his hand. Sip, it out. That'd be Make great. Big sip.
3: <laughs> now you've sip. gone and made him upset.
1: I mean, I like that they all because, with each other animals, too. They got this panther thing on their side.
2: But, I mean, I get Like, Jake Sully went back on his deal he made with him. I'd be pissed, too.
3: He is not a trustworthy fellow.
1: A oh, oh, good thing he has a rearview mirror.
3: <laughs> Objects are closed. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, these, like, personal fights are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cameron, like, you know, all of his movies, like, you just think about these things. You think about aliens, you think about both Terminators, you think about this, you think, even, like, stuff in Titanic where it's just, like, these mono mono things. There's, like, so much dramatic tension yeah. and emotional earned, things that are earned here. My True Lies is the one that, like, doesn't really have that because it's too much, it's not, like, consistent Concerned with it it's so it's so throwaway by comparison where it's like yeah and then Arnold kills a bunch of guys whatever like, it's just. Not a, I mean it's not I a like deal.
3: the film quite a bit and I, think I do it's, too it's great but but it's it's the closest thing I would say he's made to a cynical picture
1: oh yeah yeah well because well, it doesn't, I mean, because yeah. that because that story he doesn't care about it's about yeah. the, it, you know it's a Jamie Lee Curtis's story it just happens to have Arnold in a spy adventure
4: yeah yeah
1: But yeah, by the time you get like you know the main terrorist guy or whatnot, it's not like Arnold and him need to face off. Really, it's just like okay, let me deal with this. <laughs> like already, like the wife stuff is the that's the core of it. By yeah. the time he when he's when he's when he's holding her hand off the limousine, and then the nuclear bomb goes off as they're making out. Like that's the that's the climax. Yeah, that's of the movie. The, that's the yeah. emotional e- end game. Everything else is just epilogue where it's like oh okay, yeah, our daughter. All right, I gotta save him from a terrorist. Another one of these. <laughs> like let me do that real quick.
3: And it's such a gee whiz movie in that, you know, it, yes, it's violent. Yes, there's, you know, it earns its heart rating. But for example, nobody, everyone in the film that dies is a bad guy. There's not a single scene of a quote unquote good guy being killed.
2: Yeah. Unless it's um, a dream sequence with Tom Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Or Bill Paxton.
3: Um.
1: Yeah, when, oh, was when, it well, Bill Paxton? Yeah, it was Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton and he smacked. Yeah. He, yeah, he yep, smacked yeah. Yep. Well, like, what, you're exactly right, Scott. Like, in that after, you know, after the nuclear bomb goes, you know, the bomb goes off and it's like, our, our daughter's been kidnapped. We have to get her. What? Because I, I just watched it recently. Arnold's line is literally, bye, as he says, <laughs> like, that's what he yeah. says" as he
3: gets in a Harrier and flies off. <laughs> like, it's it's very, this weirdly G whiz picture. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I realize this is an excuse, but- when I was watching it, you know, I, I, in terms of the film's depiction of Middle Eastern terrorists, they were so cheerful and funny that it was like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the whole film has this weird gee whiz quality to it.
1: It's weird because it's, it's this mix of it wouldn't play well with main audiences today in that way. But at the same time, like, if you actually really watch it, it's not like it's, <laughs> it's too like silly to be offensive.
3: Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, like it's and not... even the Jamie Lee Curtis stuff, I remember, you know, I saw it when I was 14, it was like, it was really the first time I had seen in a mainstream movie of this nature, such a sympathetic female character who was seen as being worthy of love and respect and, and quote unquote forgiveness, even while contemplating adultery mm-hmm. that the film didn't, you know, basically took her side. And that's why I've never understood some of the accusations turned its way. It's like mm-hmm. the film is entirely on her side in terms of her emotional feelings. Yeah, you're not. I mean, you're like you're laughing
1: along with Arnold yeah. to some degree, but you're also not yeah. like you're not super cool with him at this no. point, Like he's because
3: he's purposely being a dick. <laughs> and also, even you know, I mean, even says you know I want to give her a little bit of an adventure, and it, it's almost sincere. Mm-hmm. By the way, extra two hundred million bucks because she kills the bad guy at the end. Yeah, this is great. <laughs>
1: And then you get, and, and not only does she hit him once, she gets him again. Oh, yeah. Another <laughs> t- second arrow. You need
3: two arrows for this guy. She yeah. kills him dead. And again, what's the first thing we see in this movie? Those giant fucking arrows.
1: Mm-hmm. And he even says something along the lines of, like, it'll take more than arrows to get me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there he
3: goes. <laughs> so I got the knife. I need to use it. Do I need to use it? Nope, we're okay.
1: It's a good look she gives too, is when he's dying. Yeah. It's like it, it, it just adds up. This stuff is fascinating to me, by the way, too. The far as far as like he's running out of air and he yeah. has to like take deep breaths so he can be inside of his avatar while like there's a, it's a lot of like neat cross cutting to make that work. And it doesn't have to do but too much because the movie has very easily communicated all this the whole time. So no, oh, correct. I also like scenes of female character walks into guy struggling and has to figure out what it is that are shared between this movie and Casino Royale.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what
1: were they doing here? Oh, they were trying to reach for this thing. All right. I figured it out. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> They're fine.
4: <now>. <sighs> <sighs> said, is, it right? a, is it a
1: Casino Royale when after he does the defibrillator, he asks, are you okay? Is that, is, that, yeah, is that the yeah, line he has? <laughs> like, so. He's just been revived from death, and he's like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> yeah, I believe so. We should probably do that at some point. <laughs> we've, we've done a, we did Quantum. We should do the other Craig movie.
2: <laughs> Go backwards.
1: Yeah.
0: There's
3: <laughs> always something about, very, very coming out. Pretty two years. Satisfying and moving about her cradling, "quote unquote," the real him in this way at the end.
1: Yeah, this looks better. I like mm-hmm. this a lot more than the the tree stuff. I think this looks really good by comparison. Yeah, because yeah, you feel it more, because you care about these people more. Like, you know, don't want to see Sigourney Weaver die, but at the same time, it's, yeah. eh. this, this is more affecting. I like the aw shucksness of Giovanni Ravisi mm. walking off. Yeah. <laughs> Just hands in his pockets. Like, I guess we lost.
3: Get out of here! Yeah, I come back on weekends. I
2: like that. There's like the other the program line? program people here that are like, "Huh? I Wait, guess I got to stay?"
1: Because so, <laughs> I just watched this in at the IMAX the, at the re-release thing. In the re-release, they, they give he has a line. He says like, "Well, you know, we'll he be does. back, right?" He says, "Well, you know, we'll be back, right?" Which is dumb. They shouldn't have done that. It's a dumb line, and I didn't remember it from the movie to begin with. was yeah. so like, oh, that's weird. Oh, so it's not in the theatrical cut. So that's like an no a weird. That was like a weird. Movie. That's a weird sequel tease, I guess. like as if we didn't know there's sequels coming. <laughs> so look forward to that on the 4K release of Avatar. I guess Did you buy VC PC as an extra line at the end. <laughs> Well, that's the last we're going to see of Jake Sully's tattoos.
3: <laughs> they so see long, more, Mr. Anderson.
1: They do seem more excited about the whole tree thing here this time around. Probably helps in it. Well, they, they
4: just they won. won. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you think they're
1: pulling one of these ceremonies? I'm sorry? How often are they pulling one of these ceremonies?
4: Oh, I don't know.
1: Like, I can't imagine there's too many, like, extra bodies <laughs> lying around to transfer souls into. Right. But they seem to have a pretty good pattern for how to do this.
2: I'm going to hang okay. up this body. Okay, that's the last show time we see these Jake's peoples. tattoos. What you don't want to see.
1: I do like these weird, like, jellyfish things that are, like, hanging around all the time. Yeah. And, like, we talked over that, but I, I like, the fact that they, like, chose Jake is interesting to me. As hey. well, the way they do that at the beginning.
2: <laughs> Title on screen.
1: <laughs> Not in papyrus.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and it's
1: green, which is interesting. Like, it, you know, it's it always sticks out to me because it's such a blue movie. But it's like, and the title's in green right here at the end. <laughs>
4: What See you yeah. in 13 years.
2: And yeah, now we get not Celine Dion. Dune Entertainment <laughs> presents Avatar. Hey, what? <laughs>
3: Ingenious film partners.
2: I like how we get a hang with the world here the, yeah. you know, through the credits. It's so oh, cool. Yeah. Those Thought arches kind of feel iconic with Avatar for some reason. I noticed there's like a big focus on them when I was watching it this last time, it was like, they're, they're always visible in a lot of spots.
1: I'll just say the, the uh, the way of water knows how to uh, present an end credit sequence as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There is something valuable in a fully lived in fantasy world that people actually feel that they'd want to visit, whether it's middle earth, Wakanda, Mm -hmm. Pandora, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Oh. Joel David Moore, single credit. Look at that, and ahead of CCH Pounder. <laughs> no periods. Yeah. And Gorny
2: Weaver. It's because that's a exclamation, Scott. So there's no period. <laughs> I I approve of that.
1: <sighs> oh. I do like that. James Cameron was just like so into Weta at this point, where it's like I know like ILM did some stuff on this also, So like mm-hmm. you know. You you think about like ILM being such a pioneer, and at this point, like what is like taken over to some degree oh, as far as like how much, how much Disney
3: Plus is telling there. me that because I watched Avatar, I should watch Avengers Endgame.
2: Yeah, that's the funniest <laughs> shit.
3: You want to see what real visionaries do?
1: <laughs> a movie we all like. We should oh, say yeah, this It's, out loud. it's, it's yeah. more bitter <laughs> irony than anything else, right?
2: Yes, yes.
1: And the idea of competing these against these—they're in the same—they're in
3: the same app. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big competition here. Um. Oh, I should turn my light back on. The movie's over.
1: <laughs> well, we did it. We talked all that Avatar. We did it. With no tangents. 2154. Uh, <laughs> not going to be the same. 21? That's when this takes place. 2154.
4: Oh.
3: Soon. We're getting there. <laughs> we can <laughs> survive the... uh We survived most of the cinematic plagues, the 12 Monkeys, the Demolition Man shit. We're in Southern of Green right now, I believe, is where...
4: Oh, we're okay. We are
2: works. past Blade Runner, heading towards 2049. We're past Blade Runner.
1: How is fine now, and then we made contact, Um, mm-hmm. so we have that going for us. Uh, um, Let's see, we mm-hmm. passed Demolition Man... We passed Predator two a will ago at this point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Ellie's even worse. <laughs> so, yeah, we're
2: doing we, pa- it. we passed Conquest uh, for the Planet of the Apes. Ooh, a while that was back. Rock bottom. It's all uphill from here. A while back, but nineteen ninety four, I believe. This when does the happened.
3: reboot, tr- the rebooted trilogy, take
2: place, give or take, if you know uh, of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, yeah. The, the I would say the genesis, it'd probably be like when they came out.
1: Yeah okay, okay, so prison, right, yeah, okay. Even war, I think, is not too far ahead of things because it's just yeah. the way things because Caesar's still alive. I mean, so it's like it can't be too
2: far. Well, yeah, he had to invent salads. So <laughs> exactly yeah, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. You know, you know, a monkey mate invented that, right? You're eating, Like, what? Yeah. Well, apparently Adam Driver killed the
3: dinosaurs. That's what we're learning this week.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised <laughs> it took this long for us to figure that out.
3: Yeah. Uh, the Mario movie,
1: Brothers lied to me. This movie was budgeted at two thirty-seven million.
3: A bargain. Uh,
1: that's what they say. There's mm-hmm. been always rumors that it's been a lot more. Um, I think the the, the the main thought is it shows.
2: <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. It, like it what, made whatever, two point seven billion dollars. What, yeah. Whatever it whatever it cost, very sure is it didn't cost that much. <laughs>
3: like oh no, Avatar two cost four hundred million dollars. You know what cost a hundred and thirty? Emancipation. <laughs> And like luck cost like a one to two hundred million. Does anyone even remember luck? It's worse than every Pixar movie. It's it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's it's not good. You know what else cost two hundred million? Red Notice. <laughs> <laughs> fucking gray man. Hey, those Avatar that was made, that, it, that
1: was
2: made by Visionaries, the gray man. <laughs> visionaries. Visionaries. Because they have CG in their movies, so they're visionaries. All
1: right. Well, that's enough bad think of the Russos. I think we could wrap this up
2: <laughs>
4: as we get
1: to
3: the
2: end of this. You know, they, they help progress uh, gay cinema by playing a gay person in one of theirs.
3: <laughs> in, a f- in a film we otherwise mostly enjoy.
2: Yes, that's right. That, that you should watch right after Avatar.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in uh, fact, you'll get to that scene really quickly. Another film that, you know, to which credit, isn't full of action that holds most of its slam-bang material to the end. Um, Yeah. It's more keepery up to the third act.
4: You can say um, that about
3: a lot of Marvel movies, honestly. Yeah,
4: uh, yeah.
1: Um, okay. The we, Avatar, still good. Yeah, yeah, it works. Works really <laughs> well. And I look forward to watching the next one again after this. You too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, all right, well. Uh, let's let's go over this thing Let's wrap all this up When Where can people find More of you guys online uh, Brandon Peter Where can people find More of you
2: uh, You can find me uh, Personally on Twitter And Instagram At Brandon4KUHD I have written stuff On whysoblue.com. I think it's like Top 10 list Time of the year So that stuff's Going to be on uh, There or, or on My YouTube channel uh, Which is part of The Brandon Peter show Which uh, you can check out Scott and I Talking about Wednesday Here soon and uh, then uh, I'll be you'll be hearing these commentaries for a couple weeks as I take a break into the new year and come back with some uh, fun stuff for you. Scott Mendelson. Uh, I'm at
3: the wrap at the moment um, and I'm still at Twitter and at Scott Mendelson.
1: Find everything I do over at my personal blog, the I write for Leave Entertainment and Wise Blue I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found anywhere you can find podcasts or on all the socials as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all those platforms there. Um let's see. Next I mean, we're starting a new year, guys. We have uh we'll certainly have some options. Maybe we should do a theme again. It was fun when we do those themes, like all the, uh, the all the Hannibal Electores. Uh, movies, video game <laughs>
3: movies up to Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> That <laughs> actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. I mean, I'm not, well, against, I'm not against that. Although you've done a bunch of the fun ones already. Street Fighter, that's, Mortal Kombat. That's true.
1: But we'll, we'll think of something. It, it, yeah. is fun to, it is fun to do some some kind of a theme that carries. Have we through. done any John Wick movies? No. Hmm. We've, done a lot of, we've done a lot of Keanu movies in general.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> Part two would be interesting to talk about. I mean, obviously, well, they're all good, but. We'll have things to go over. We'll figure
1: it out. But that is going to do it for this Uh, commentary uh, for Avatar Uh, so thanks everyone for listening that's going to do it for this, thank you Brandon and Scott for joining me for this Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, until next time so long and goodbye
0: Thank you for listening The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters written and edited by Brandon Peters